Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. We are live at a Monday edition of the Sports Bash here on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. The PT, of course, on a Monday is with me live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. It's our Monday home for the football season, PT. We got football to talk about. Oh, yeah. We got uh, the Eagles yesterday in that game against the Cleveland Browns. Really didn't see much, no starters really uh, of note. I mean, some played uh, very, you know, rotational type of guys. Uh, we'll get into all that, but I guess we got to start with the disaster that happened at Citizens Bank Park and what it really means. I've seen a lot of panic out there, Pete Thompson. I know you're a panic kind of guy. <laughs> you are easily... Not as much as Billy, maybe. Billy's question yesterday was like, he wanted to say, "Are you have you given up on the Phillies? No, I haven't given up on the Phillies. I mean, look, yesterday did not go the way they wanted. When the whole G- weekend did. I, but at least you called it. I was at the game that they won. So I was happy about that. I went Saturday night to see Bailey Falter look really, really good. Well, that was about the only guy who looked really, really good, which is disappointing, Pete Thompson, because Falter is the least experienced guy of the bunch. Uh, you got Nola, you got Wheeler, and you had Gibson go, and none of them showed up. The only guy who said didn't blink right. when he stared at the Mets lineup was Bailey Falter, and that's unfortunate because they had an sh- uh, opportunity yesterday to split that series, and I think if they would have split the series, you could have felt a lot better today, but the fact that they got beat three out of four and the way that they got beat, I think people are starting to you know kind of question this team, to which, look, they lost three out of four. There's no good way to spin it other than what's the difference? They're, they didn't lose any ground really in the wild card. They did not. If you want them to make the playoffs, they're still in the playoffs right now. And if you really want to look at it, and you can say, look, the Mets are just better than they are right now. That's not that's not breaking news here. The Mets are better than the Phillies are. Right. Like, okay, they're better than them. They are. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, what is your expectations? Are you disappointed if you thought the Phillies were a Super Bowl contender and they got beat by the Mets? Well, then, yeah, you should be disappointed. If you want the Phillies to just get into the playoffs and see what happens, nothing changed with this weekend. I think the biggest disappointment is that you said it, Wheeler and Nola. In nine games against New York, Wheeler and Nola are combined 0-7. The Mets won all nine games when they faced Wheeler and Nola, right? Wheeler the other night, he walked four. He only struck out six and five and a third, you know. Uh, That, to me, uh, sets the preview of if you saw these guys again in a short series and you've got Wheeler and Nola as your one and two and they're 0-7 combined in nine starts, that that's a problem. Uh, neither one of those guys can get the job done. That is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I saw like this narrative all weekend long. That, oh, the Phillies can't beat good teams. And I said, wait a second. Maybe they can't. Let me go look. Well, they've beaten the Dodgers four mm-hmm. out of seven. 
Uh, they are 24 and 18 against current playoff teams outside of the Mets. Right. When you end the Met, add the Mets, they're five and 13, which just is just an abomination. But Atlanta, St. Louis, Milwaukee, San Diego, the Dodgers. If you want to throw Seattle in there. They are 24-18 and 18 against everybody else that are currently in the playoff mix right now. They haven't played uh, Houston. They'll play them at the end of the year. Uh, they haven't played um, – they did play Toronto. They're 0-2 against Toronto. So 24-20 and 20 against current playoff teams. So they have been able to beat good teams this year. They just happen to not be able to beat the Mets right now. Yeah. And I get it. It's frustrating today and right now. But that doesn't mean, like, if you played them in a month from now that your guys pitch better on those days. They didn't pitch well on the days you needed them to pitch well in this August series. I'm not sitting here telling you I think Nola is going to step up in an October game against the Mets. That's the disappointment, is that once again, when the, when the chips uh, come down and it's an intense moment, Nola doesn't deliver and i think people are disappointed they got the, they finished the season series against the mets five and 14 so i hear you talking about the mets being the one team they can't beat well a couple of years ago that was why are they losing games to the marlins the difference is the marlins were in last place the mets are good you know like begrudgingly i know philly fans don't like to admit that but the mets are really really talented i did see this this morning if you want to feel better on this monday about the phillies consider this their next 19 games are against teams with losing records. Their next game against an opponent with a winning record, Mike Gill, September 16th. Yeah, but I don't know if that's making anybody feel better, just beating up on Washington, Cincinnati, because I think we've come to terms with that's why people are upset with this weekend. Mm-hmm. All right, you've been beating up on Washington and Miami and Cincinnati, and now Pittsburgh this week's coming in. I want to see you beat the teams like the Mets. Well, you don't play the Mets the rest of the way. So you're just going to have to win people over in the playoffs. I mean, you're not going to win. I don't think you're going to win anybody over between now and the end. It's almost like the Sixers season a couple of years ago. All right, you're the number one seed. That's great. But I'll only believe it if you win a second-round series and they go and lose to the freaking Hawks. Yeah, I'll buy that, 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 you know, you got to prove it until we're we're actually going to get invested. I I know this. uh, You know, that was my first chance this season to see the Mets up close and personal. Unless I might I feel like I might have gone to one of the games – early in the season like one of the like it was like a business person special early but all i know is that there's people up and down the mets lineup that i guarantee you most average phillies fans don't have any idea who these guys are and they're really really talented like jeff mcneil made a play the other day right and yeah, I was, that McNeil play I was mean, outstanding. Now, that was the yeah, only game the Phillies won. Right, but you know? that play that he made behind second base, was that's an all-star play. And he was an all-star, I think, last year, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think your average Phillies fan can name who Jeff McNeil is. But the guy legit straight up can play. And they got a lot of guys like that up and down the lineup. You know, Nimmo was beating him. Marte had, you know, the only guy I think that made a... An idiot play, he got caught stealing Was in the game I was at. was I think Marte got caught stealing, and then Lindor had the single right after that would have given him first and third. Well, here is a couple of things. My observations from this weekend are this. One, again, we're judging the Phillies, you know, at not full strength. Mm -hmm. Now, it's fair to say they're just not good enough. I would agree. Even at full strength, I think you got questions. But the question I would ask is, yesterday's game, 
they have to go to Robertson in the ninth. And people are saying, well, why would you go to Robertson in the ninth? Are the same people that complain, well, why didn't he pitch him on three days, uh, with three straight days in a row? Why didn't they bring the close? Right? You can't. Like, if the closer says, hey, I'm available, I'll throw, he's the best guy you got. Robertson's the best guy you got. So, but my point is, he wouldn't be pitching in that spot. It would normally have been Dominguez. Right. So, do you win that game yesterday if Dominguez is healthy? It, I don't know. I, if he's healthy, perhaps. I mean, like, that was the question we had on the win on Saturday night. Why is Robertson going that extra inning? Remember, Robertson went two innings in the Saturday night game, well, because and they, nobody understood why until really the next morning. realized they needed that game, or they did not want to let that game slip. You saw Robertson's quote. He said, I asked for the ball. It's my second stint here, and I want to be here for the guys. It didn't work out for me. What's the crappy part is I felt better than I did yesterday as far as command-wise. I made one bad pitch, and I had to pay for it. McNeil got a hit off the slider I was trying to throw into the strike zone, but Kanah, I did not mean to leave that ball up and into him. He had already hit a home run earlier in the game. I was trying to drive it down and away. I just overthrew it. He put a good swing on it. He's a good hitter. It's just frustrating. I have to go home and live with that one. I wanted this one, and it stinks. Now, uh, my respect for Robertson has grown exponentially. Not only did he stand up and take the uh, take the blame because, you know, he did throw the pitch, but he also basically was the fact that he took the ball. You know, you got some Major League Baseball players that are out there that will be like, Skip, I threw two innings yesterday. I, I, I can't do it, you know. He took the ball, like, and the people like the uh, Sear, the guy they called up from AAA, he came in and gave up a tater. So what did you have left? You were really literally out of options. That Corey Knable news yesterday that he's basically done for the season. Done for the year, yes. And we That's had, not basically. He is done for the year. And we had Tommy Green on yesterday, and he talked about triceps injuries and how those can be tricky. And he said it all depends on which part of the tricep that it's in. I guess he was supposed to get an MRI yesterday. yesterday and we're still waiting to hear some news about Sir Anthony Dominguez. But the, now the Phillies did say they hope to have him back with uh, in, I think, 10 days. Okay. I think I read that from Zalecki yesterday. But listen, he's a guy who has had arm problems that forced him to miss not one, but two full seasons. Sure. So when he's on, he's there's, he's closer stuff. I mean, he's as filthy as there is. Look, you know. You're, they asked him yesterday, Pete. Yeah. Are you worried? He said, yes. Anything with my arm, I'm worried. Right. Like, he was flat out honest. And yes. Given his past history, that makes sense. Yeah. But my beef from yesterday's game is that Kyle Gibson only went four to third. You know, that was bad Kyle Gibson yesterday to give up eight hits and four runs, two of them earned. You know, I mean, the, the, yes, the guy threw 105 pitches, but he was not, he did not have it yesterday. And that all has a ripple effect. When they had to put Alvarado in that early, that's why you have to use a Brogdon. That's why you're bringing in a hand. And then, yeah, again, when you got toward the end of the game, Robertson's really all you had left. You're either going to put him in or a AAA guy. Take your Pick your poison, right? And you figured maybe Robertson could, Robertson could squeeze it out. He couldn't do it. No, but again, I don't sit here and um, question. Uh, I saw a lot of people asking the question, why did he go to Robertson again? Who else was he going to? I right. mean, you needed to close that game out, you, you, and, and your starter – didn't get you out of the fifth inning, so what you, else was he going to do? You'd already the, used up Bellotti, you'd used up Alvarado, you used up Brogdon, you used up Hand. I, I don't think I don't. I think Sear was the last guy in the bullpen. I don't think they had anybody beyond that. So they had to have gone into the game yesterday knowing that Robertson was available. I would imagine he said, "Hey, if we need you today, are you okay?" And he probably said, "Yeah, no, I want the ball today." So he managed his bullpen 
in a way that he anticipated Robertson being the closer yesterday, I would imagine, right? I would think so, you know, and I'm trying to look up here. Robertson, see, the two innings that he went the other day on Saturday night, he threw more pitches than he wanted to. He threw 36 pitches on Saturday night. They had a couple of walks in the ninth. Yes, two walks, and he gave up a hit, you know, in that in the two-run save that he had on Saturday night. And again, at that point, you know, that's a nice pitching box score. When you look at Falter going six, Alvarado one, and you had to squeeze two out of Robertson, you figure like, all right, that, that's pretty good. The problem is you can't repeat that when you have to bring Alvarado in, you know, in the fifth inning. Six on the Sunday game. 403 let us know frustrations with this Phillies team. That's number one. Number two, you said yesterday, you know, you guys, Billy's basically saying, you know, do you not believe in the team anymore? I don't think that losing to the Mets should change your expectations. I don't know what your expectations were entering the weekend. Like, if they would have beat the Mets three out of four, would you have sit here like and been like, oh, this team can win the World Series? I did just think of the grace note, though, to, to what makes you more disappointed about the weekend. You did not see DeGrom, and you did not see Scherzer. So the All fact that, that you lost three and out of four. And you had your two best. Yes, yes. You you trotted out Wheeler and Nola. They trotted out, you know, Manny Moe and Jack, right, and uh, the Pep Boys. And, uh, and and you still couldn't get it done, you know. And I, I got to tell you, I know you pitched in high school. I know you wanted to pitch in college. I know you followed baseball a long time. There's got to be some times where I just shut up and listen to you because you were right. I was bitching and complaining that I got Bailey Falter, and you shot back at me and said Bailey Falter had good numbers against the Mets the last time. Son of a gun, if you weren't right. And it was funny because I took three Mets fans to the game Ooh. on Saturday Was one of them night. the guy that threw out the first pitch? No, no, I didn't take that guy. I don't even know who that guy is. So from what I understand and gather on that. How did that happen? Apparently the, the guy who threw out the first pitch, he is like the leader of this seven-line um, group. Okay, yeah. And from what I understand... They bought so many tickets, 1,500 tickets, I believe. Wow. And because of all the tickets that he purchased, the Phillies basically thanked him for for that. Right. What was the stadium like the night you were there in terms of, uh, I mean, they they had good crowds. You're talking ratio? It sounded like a lot of Mets. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of Mets fans there, uh, very much so. And and, uh, I I would say it was like 70-30. Attendance was... Yeah, I think there was 30% Mets fans there out of the 39,000 people that were there. That's the other thing. I mean, I'm okay with the, I'm okay with a decent amount. I, I just don't want the stadium to be overrun yeah. by the opposition. And I don't think that was the case. Out of the 39,000, I'd say maybe 20,000 were Mets fans. Wow. No, maybe, maybe 15. Talking about half. I didn't mean half. I, I can't do math. You, you can't ask me math problems. You know, well, that if I you're 30%, with that. Dip, give, and give there's 39,000. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Now there's more. It was right. 51-49. 39 and 39 is. <laughs> Why are you making God me do sakes. math? You know, if a trade leaves Cleveland and well, the other trade leaves Detroit. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to think back here because a lot happened this weekend. Yeah. Friday night was the NOLA game, mm-hmm. right? He did not pitch well. He did not pitch well. Nola struggled, and uh, Wheeler threw the day game on Saturday. Now that and one he really did not bothered throw me. either. Wheeler's thing was they gave him the choice as to whether or not he. Wa- uh, Rob Thompson came to him and said, "Do you want to pitch the and day relation? game of the night game? No relation. Rob yeah. Thompson, no relation. 
But despite his ERA being at least two runs less in night games, he chose to pitch the day game. And my issue with that is I understand that he wanted to, like, you know, get the bad taste out of his mouth from his last start. Does he like throwing to stubs better? I don't know about that. I don't, I don't even – I didn't even factor that into the equation. What, what I factored in was that the heat and humidity had come back and – you know, you know what it's like when it's hot well, out there. The ball carries just, out there. You just mentioned about, like, pitching. Yeah. If you asked me, hey, which game do you want to pitch, I probably would pick, hey, which catcher is throwing which game, and I would like to throw to the pitcher, the catcher I feel better throwing to. Is, is, uh, this, 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 I ask territory for me. all the time. Is this, a, is this a narrative? Has Wheeler mostly been paired up with Stubbs? I don't no, think so. No, I don't think so. But maybe he has thrown to Stubbs a handful of times and prefers him. I don't know. Now, what I, had heard, I have not heard that I, anywhere. I'm right. just what throwing they talked that out about, there. What, I, what they talked about on the broadcast, and, and I don't know if this is true or not, is that because Wheeler's previous outing, he was so ticked off at how he performed in the outing before that, that he didn't want to waste any time in getting back out there. You know, he had, his previous outing, he had gone six innings, given up nine hits, six runs, all of them earned at City Field six days prior. So they said that being the competitor that he is, that's why he chose the day game. I just felt frustrated in the chance that, you know, he had he had the option of both and he chose the day game. And I don't know about you, like the humidity has returned today. It was back a little bit yesterday. Why would you go out there and, you know, just be bathed in, in your lather and, and and plus the ball carries more in the hot humid weather i it i i just if i was zach wheeler i would have taken the night game but that's why i'm not an all-star pitcher but i um that would just be my first thought is maybe he prefers throwing his stubs better than he does real muto and when given the opportunity to decide which catcher he'd rather throw to he asked which game is stubs catching i'll take him i don't know yeah. I, I mean i think it was as simple as you know what's my quickest chance to get back out there and get the taste out of my mouth from what happened my last all right, well he got out there quicker and didn't help him yeah it didn't help him at all you know to the tune of an 8-2 loss that's a frustrating know. thing where your best guy <laughs> this is breaking news this just in we're live on the radio I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I can hear a little bit. The Little League game has gone into 10 innings. Oh. This just in. Gotcha. Uh, God bless you, man. <laughs> Thank you for that. The Little League game is on in here. It's in the 10th. Now, the Little League game, I just found this out. based. Uh, I was watching in the studio before I left, and then they went to a rain delay. Okay. They were in the eighth, which is in literally two extra innings now. Right. And she said I didn't realize 10. that yeah. they put a runner on second base. Oh, the international tiebreakers in Little League now, too? I guess so. Oh. They don't do that in, in, in our league. In the Babe Ruth? No. There you go. But I, I don't like the international tiebreakers. Somebody asked me about that the other night. Well, you know. But I understand why they don't they do, do it, it in the majors anymore. Do yeah, they do. Yes, oh, they not do. in the playoffs. Right, not in the playoffs, yeah. but they do in the regular season. 609-403-0973. Here's like, okay, so going back to like where <laughs> I started. That was hilarious. Your the, grandma interrupted you. <laughs> right. What are you going to do? Tell her to get away? <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. It was very important to her to tell, tell you right. that. The Little League game was in the 10th <laughs> inning. Um, Thanks, Graham. So going back to where, like, trying to think back. So Friday night was the NOLA game. Saturday afternoon was the Wheeler game. Saturday night was the Falter game. And even the game Falter pitched. They kept, you, weren't, weren't, uh, you, were, you were at the game, so you didn't hear the broadcast. The game was on Fox, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I did. But they kept mentioning how the Phillies have the lead, but it doesn't feel like 
you know, it's a big like the, the skate was, was like three to one in the in the eighth. That's correct. And the and the Phillies had look, uh, the Mets had gone out and taken the lead off. You know, Falter being a little shaky in the in the in top of the first, but in the bottom of the first, what the Phillies did was uh, they real um, there was a triple from Schwarber. Right. In fact, as Schwarber came to the plate, and one of the Mets fans that I took was asking me, "Why is he your leadoff hitter?" I'm like. Because we don't have a true leadoff hitter. You have to throw somebody out there, and Schwarber has actually had the best offensive numbers at the plate. So, And then, boom, he hits this triple. And then Real Muto with the RBI single to right. That That's what tied things up. But it went a long time. Like, the one guy that I was with kept turning to me and saying, two hits. We have two hits. I can't believe we have two hits. Right, but the game two hits was against still Walter. a game. Oh, very much so. You know, and the Phillies ended up with, uh, they were... Phillies were four for 17 with runners in scoring position. They had 11 men left on base. Some of those same uh, issues that creep up when you get the bad Phillies. Look, they won the game four to one, but some of those issues were still in there well, gurgling underneath the surface. And PT, yeah, that was one of my observations this weekend was, number one, not having Dominguez all weekend. And then Canable, who's done, mm-hmm. you are now down not one, but two guys who have closed games out, right? Yeah, it was really, uh, and that stuff came out yesterday morning. The Canable news and the Dominguez news came out, I'd say, about 11 o'clock yesterday morning. And when I read that, I thought, oh, that's that's really going to be a problem. And, you know, as we sit here and have a little doom and gloom session on the Phillies, Bryce Harper's going to start his rehab assignment this week, probably at AAA Lehigh Valley, you know, so that's all optimistic news. But you still got to be able to finish a baseball game, and if you can't, have confidence. I mean, the Phillies bullpen has been so good, but part of the reason it's been good, like the two biggest names that have surprised everyone were Alvarado and Dominguez. Well, Alvarado had to come in too early yesterday, so he couldn't be effective the way that he wanted to be. I mean, he got the hold, but he couldn't be Alvarado in the back end that you wanted, and then you didn't have Dominguez. Yeah, the biggest issue this weekend for me, I had three observations. The lack of arms in the bullpen that showed when you didn't have Dominguez and you don't have Canable, that you start to uh, see the lack of depth in the bullpen, which most teams, if they lose two closing options, your bullpen's going to struggle. That was one. Two, Wheeler and Nola, they just have to. They came up small. And they got to be better in those situations. And number three, I thought all weekend they had runners, especially in the game they won. Mm-hmm. They had runners. And we talked about this on last week's shows when we were asking if you don't believe the Phillies are a Super Bowl contender, what is it they're missing? And I think it was Josh who brought up the fact that they don't situational hit. They don't get the big hit. They don't hit well with runners in scoring position. So yes, they have some guys in that lineup that are scary. They have some top end pitching. They've got a decent bullpen. But what's the separator? They don't get the big hit. And I think you saw that on display all weekend long, where they had a shot to get in these games. Uh, what were the scores of the games this weekend? The scores were, in uh, in this particular order, it was 8-2-7-2. I don't know that I have them in the correct order. 4-1 was the win. So you had 7-2 on Friday night, 8-2 Mets on uh, Saturday in the day game. Mm-hmm. 4-1 Phillies, 10-9 Mets. Right. So, and those 7-2 and 8-2 games, even the game they won, I'd like to see how many runners they left on base. That's what I was just trying to look up while you were saying that. Uh, you know, I was trying to dig through Twitter and see if I could find out. I mean, uh, again, to repeat it, they went 0-9 against the Mets in games that were started by Wheeler and Nola. That's pretty incredible. You know, you'd think that your ace and your number two would be able to get at least a victory at some point out of that. And 
They couldn't. They came up short, and that's no good. But I want to see what that left on base thing is. So, somebody will have it in there. Go to the box score. Oh, and what? Do math? Did you not no, catch where it my says math? L O B. I know. And then you want me to just add three games up? Yeah, that's not too hard, Pete. All right, right, I'll do that while you're uh, doing your work over there. All right, Sports Pass brought <laughs> to you by American Airlines in Atlantic City International Airport, ACY. Now as your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book today at AA.com. We are live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games here at Ocean Casino Resort. The bar's open. The table games are open. The TVs are on all weekend long. This place is going to start jumping Thursday night, Pete Thompson. Penn State Purdue. Oh, College yeah. football is back. You've got Yankees and Mets tonight. You've got Phillies all weekend. And, of course, the Eagles. We're going to get into them as well. I want to get observations. And I want to know... How many people watched that Eagles game yesterday and took something from it? <laughs> and t- actually took something from that game? I'll tell you why I did. More sports bash coming up. And remember, we're giving away a trip. Oh, yeah. This is to good. go see the Eagles play in Washington. I'll have a name on the other side. Last week to qualify, Friday, we're going to be live at Garden State Brewery, PT. we got a special guest that's going to join us on that Friday. Oh, that's new to me. That is I'm new to you. It's new to that. me. I just got the email a couple minutes ago. Okay, very good. All right. So go to our website, 973ESPN.com. You can enter to win that trip to see the Eagles play the Commanders September 25th. Do that now, and if I call your name, by the way, 9 on Friday night, 8 on Saturday. It's 9, 8, 11, and 9. That's a lot of runners left on base, Peter. Yeah, that's 17, 28, uh, 36. 36 runners left on base. Yeah, I was actually doing the runners in scoring position while you were talking about our contest. You're a good man. Back with more Sports Badge, 97.3 ESPN. Now. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. ESPN. Uh, we're live here at the uh, Ocean Sportsbook, the Bar Book and Games. This is a spot to check out the opening weekend of the college football season, PT, which is this Saturday. You know, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State on Saturday. Okay. Georgia, Oregon, Saturday. We'll have both those games on 97.3 ESPN. Thursday night, Penn State, Purdue. Oh, there you go. Penn State, Purdue. Listen. I don't know if you caught, you talked about the Eagles game. Did you catch the fact that Cam Jurgens' parents bought tickets to go see Nebraska play Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland? And that Jurgens was like, uh, Mom, Dad, you might want to hold off on buying those tickets. They're like, why? Because <laughs> I'm going to go pro. And they're still going. Nice. You know, good for them. They're going to support the Big Red. By the way, uh, runners scoring position over the weekend, two for seven, one for five, four for 17, Four for Ooh. 13. Four for 17 had to be the Saturday night game, that right? Was, no, four for, uh, yes, that was the Saturday night game. That was game. the game they yes, won. Yes, and they won that game. And four for 13, that adds up to 11 for 42 with runners in scoring position. Unbelievable. There you go. PT did I don't know. So if I tell you, hey, if they get a couple clutch hits, does that change, like, the, the, the weekend for you? 
I mean, if they'd won yesterday's game, I wouldn't feel as disheartened as I did. Uh, and and it's not just – and Crux said this uh, during the broadcast. They said it quickly. Uh, ben Davis repeated it in the postgame quickly that, you know, baseball – and you know this better than anybody, Mike Gill. You ride this high in the lows. You know, when Segura rounded first base and he jumped so high because the ball barely made it out and he lost his helmet and he had the fist pump, you know, everybody in there was like, oh, thank God, they're going to win the game. They, they're not going to blow the two home runs from Alec Bohm, which were unbelievable, by the way. Two home runs, both three-run shots, including the one off the netting of the fair pole down right field. And, and, and then they just weren't able to get it done. And that's... You know, it's the old uh, wild, wild sports or wide world of sports opening. It's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Well, it was the thrill of Segura's home run and the agony of David Robertson not being able to close it out. The best pitch yesterday on Sunday was uh, Jim Gardner. You see Jim Gardner throw out the first pitch? I saw that he was throwing out the first pitch. I didn't actually see him throw it out. I didn't realize. Remember, the Phillies game didn't start till one thirty. That's true, yeah. I watched the that first half hour to Eagles. I yeah. did. By the way, how was... Uh, Rod Stewart. Oh, man, it was outstanding. Rod Stewart was so much fun, and uh, I I saw a lot of familiar faces over there, saw a lot of good people, and my girl was really happy. He played all the hits. You know, he played uh, the the picture of the night was when he turned around to the big screen and he looked at a picture of himself from Studio 54 in, like, 1973, you know. And, I mean, this picture, and I'll show it to you here, he's got his red cape on. He's got a big glass of, like, cognac or something. He's got, like, one uh, chest area out, right? He's wearing all leather. I mean, he looks like an English lord or something like that. And uh, here he is. You probably didn't even notice this. That's him standing there looking at the picture of himself. And that's before he went into, uh, do you think I'm sexy? And I'll tell you, all the grandmas that were in the audience <laughs> thought he was. He kicked the soccer balls out. You know, he, he does that a lot still. Uh, he'd call it a football, but he still kicks that out. The, the coolest thing, Mike Gill, was that he brought in a whole team of, like, female musicians who, by the way, happen to almost all be hot and blonde, but that's not important right now. And they came out and sang uh, Addicted to Love, you know, they played uh, the one, and this is how he got his breaks. The one girl did Blondie's Call Me. Yeah. Right? And uh, that was so he could, like, go off and get a costume change. It was very creative how he did it. Good and, crowd? Oh, yeah, it was packed. I mean, yeah. there there wasn't a seat to be found. Good. Cheap Trek was okay, too. But, uh, you know, Dream Police or some of that stuff, you know, I Want You to Want Me. Yeah. Uh, they were really loud. I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to... Like Metallica louder, just louder than I think, or just loud because there wasn't as many people in there. I could be both. You know, there was a lot of people who waited till Cheap Trick got done before they went in to go see Rock and Rod. But it was fun. It was a good show, and I'm, I'm really happy to have seen him. I can't. That was Friday night, right? That was Friday night at, uh, yeah, at uh, Hard Rock. I couldn't believe 77 years old, and he's still up there doing it. All right, uh, I got another qualifying name. Don't forget, you can go to 973ESPN.com. At any point, just enter the form, fill out the form, and this is the last week, Pete Thompson. We're going to be calling names out, and then we're going to be live on Friday over at Garden State Brewery. Uh, that's over there on the White Horse Pike, Galloway. And uh, I know that um, we should have a big crowd there. Oh, I'm We should have a big crowd, and I know. I know people are excited. You get the bus trip with Philly Sports Trips. They'll provide the transportation uh, they'll do a pregame tailgate party. From what I understand, 
I think over 700 people have signed up to be on the bus rides from Jersey, Philly, to go down to Washington. Well, and one of the things that I think that's unique about this, and I've looked up some of the history of Philly sports trips. What's the name of the place? Philly sports trips, right? But this is the first time that they're going to do a Philly sports trip that includes the New Jersey component where if you live down here, and I, I was, before I even knew we were giving this away, I was telling somebody that listens to the show because I'd heard you talk about Philly sports trips and I looked them up a little bit. You can just drive your car to the Garden State Brewing Company there on the Whitehorse Pike the day of the game and get on the bus there. The bus is going to originate there. Then it'll go to Philly, or then it'll join the people in Philly. Then everybody will go down to Landover, Maryland, and see them whoop up on the Ginger Jesus and take care of them. So, yeah. so you know, right now, I think it's great. Jim Dottilio is our latest qualifier. All right, Jim, Jim Dottilio. If Jim is out there, uh, give us a buzz, 609-573-3776. We'll get you all signed up, tell you what you need to do. Uh, if we don't call your name out today, you have uh, the next couple of days and listen for your chance to call in later on this hour on the Sports Bash here on 97.3 ESPN. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City, I'm sure he wrote about in uh, the press this week, why can't the Phillies beat the Mets? We'll get his thoughts on that coming up. More Sports Bash here. Uh, Mike, that's Pete. We are at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. We'll take a look at the uh, things that the Phillies need to do to close that gap with the Mets, if there is anything. Or is the Mets just flat out better? We'll discuss that coming up with McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City next here on the Sports Bash. Now, back to more Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City joins us. He writes, why can't the Phillies beat the Mets? Are they just flat out better? Uh, the Phillies are a little shorthanded. Do we see this changing, or it is what it is, PT? I mean, we saw all weekend, Phillies had runners in scoring position, left on base a seat seemingly every night. Yeah. They just couldn't get the big hit. Two for seven, one for five, four for 17 in the game they won. Four for 17 in a 4-1 win, four for 13 in yesterday's game. It just, I mean, look, I'm just happy as a Phillies fan that I happen to pick the one game they won. Sports Best brought to you by Delaware Valley Acura with new inventory arriving daily. Find your new award-winning Acura at your local Delaware Valley Acura dealer and reserve yours today. Mike McGarry's with us, and I know uh, last weekend the Phillies, uh, couldn't get the job done. They lost two out of three. This weekend, they lose three out of four. And you wrote, why can't the Phillies beat the Mets, Mike? What is the answer? What did you come up with? Uh, the Mets are flat out better. I mean, they've, they've beaten the Phillies with Joe Girardi. They've beaten him with Rob Thompson. They've beaten Aaron Noller and Zach Wheeler. They've beaten Kyle Gibson. They've beaten Corey Knable. They've beaten David Robertson. They won 14 of 19. Uh, you know, the Mets are a better baseball team and they've proven it over, you know, the series with the teams. Having said that, though, I, I uh, you know, have a sense of, of Phillies fans, especially after yesterday's loss going, oh, here we go again. Another collapse. 
Uh, the Phillies aren't going to get it done this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. I don't share that sentiment. I, I think the Phillies, even in that defeat yesterday, showed you why I think they're going to make the uh, postseason this year. So this, to me, this is a different Phillies team than we've seen the past four years. Right. They've done a couple things, right, that they haven't done in the past. They have beaten the bad teams. That is something that has really been their bugaboo, Mike, is they haven't been able to beat the bad teams. They're starting to do that. Uh, the other thing that they haven't been able to do in the past that they're starting to do is they're beating the good teams. They've beaten the Dodgers. They've taught, they're six and six against the Braves. They've beaten the Padres. They've beaten the Cardinals. They've beaten the Brewers. It's just the Mets who have been the one team they haven't been able to kind of handle. So I, I tend to agree with you that even though they lost three out of four, that really shouldn't change your outlook of what this team should be able to do. Yeah, and, and you know, you hit on it there. They're 61 and 41, 20 games over 500 against everybody else on their schedule, not the New York Mets. And, and I, you know, I take some solace out of yesterday's game, even though, okay, Robertson comes in, they basically have no other, nobody to pitch in, in the ninth inning. Uh, and by the way, both teams were in that situation. And Robertson comes in, gives up the home run to Canna. But to me, what the Phillies did in the bottom of that ninth inning against Edwin Diaz, nobody has touched Diaz all season. And the Phillies twice have kind of pushed him to the brink. Uh, last Saturday night in New York, in the in the Degrom game, one nothing. They 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 uh, got uh, through a scare into Diaz. And yesterday, getting a run off Diaz, you know, Stotts ball, fly ball goes to you know a few feet short of the wall. Uh, you know, that just, to me, showed the kind of spunk and resiliency that the Phillies have this season. And, and that's been a characteristic of them all season long. And I think that's going to be enough to carry them through to the postseason this year. Well, Mike McGarry is with us. Mike, let's talk about pitching and, and which part of it, if you're a Phillies fan, should concern you more. Should you be more concerned with the fact that Wheeler and Nola when it combined 0-7 in the nine times that they faced the Mets? Or you should be concerned more about the fact that Corey Knable's now done for the season and Sir Anthony has trouble with his triceps. Which which side of that are you? would you be more concerned about if you're a Phillies fan? I'd be more concerned about the bullpen depth because I think that's what matters going forward, right? And I think it cost them yesterday. I mean, I, I remember going way back to April and kind of picking five key Phillies that had a kind of meet expectations or exceed expectations this season for the team to make the playoffs. And one of my five was Sir Anthony. And he had certainly emerged as a sort of dominant closer. I mean, I think in his last three saves, he had thrown nine pitches or less to get those last three saves. Not having him for two weeks, and they say two weeks, but you know my rule about injuries. I don't believe a word of what teams or <laughs> athletes say. I don't think they're lying to us. I think they just don't know. I believe a player is back when he's back. So they say Sir Anthony will only be out two weeks. I'll trust that when I see him on the mound two weeks from yesterday. Yeah. I think not having him down the stretch will be a problem. The Nola Wheeler thing, I mean, I think you got to give credit to the Mets. I mean, it's unfortunate for the Phillies that I think they're in the, in the division, the same division as – two of the three best teams in, in baseball. I think the Mets and the Braves are are right there with anybody. And in a short series, I would take the Mets and Braves even over the Dodgers. So uh, the Phillies are just unfortunate that they're in a division. And, and, and the Mets are just right. a treme tremendous, tremendous baseball team. And their ability to hit good pitching and, and put the ball in play and, and, and get a never-ending seam uh, string of blue pits or 
balls hitting them where they ain't. I mean, I think you got to give the Mets credit for uh, what they've done with Wheeler and, and Nola. But the, the bullpen for the Phillies can, concerns me. That That's what would concern me going down the stretch here. So, Mike, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I went back and forth with Billy Schwein about this yesterday. Uh, there's Uh-oh. a narrative out there. Yeah, so you know uh, how the argument went. Uh, but there's a, n- a narrative out there that Syndergaard was trying to avoid his old team. Uh, he goes tonight. Uh, that's twice this year, once with the Angels and now once with the Phillies, where he was lined up to start against the Mets and didn't. Do, do you buy anything into that, or is that just the way the cookie's crumbling? No, I don't buy into that. Again, I, I have to trust what manager uh, Rob Thompson said, you know, when asked that question this, this weekend. He said, A, and it is true that Syndergaard has, this is his first season back after Tommy John surgery. He has pitched because he was in Los Angeles with Otani, and they basically were going to a, a six-man rotation because of Otani. He was basically not pitching on four days rest. He was basically pitching on five days rest all season. He had thrown against Cincinnati. I think he had thrown seven innings. Uh, That was one of the first or second times he had gone on four days rest all season. They wanted to push him back to give him an extra day of rest. And they had liked what Kyle Gibson had done against the Mets early early this season. Now, he had in two starts, I think he had a 1.7 ERA against the Mets. Now, it didn't pay off yesterday. Phillies gave him a 4-0 lead. But I don't think Syndergaard is uh, dodging the Mets. And honestly, uh, I'm not sure yesterday's game turns out any different if it's Syndergaard or Gibson on the mound. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned and you wrote about, you know, why can't the Phillies beat the Mets? Um, is it in your mind? I, I agree with you that the Mets are just a better team right now than the Phillies are. Um, but. In a playoff series, it would, would we basically be seeing the same thing if the Phillies got in against other teams? Is it that they can't beat the good teams in your mind, or is it just the Mets that they don't match up well with? Well, I, I think it's the Mets right now that they have a, a, a problem with. But again, if, if the Phillies make the playoffs, and, and looking at it right now, they're going to make the playoffs as either a five or a six seed. That means they're going to be... Uh, if they're the sixth seed, they're probably going to be in St. Louis for a best two or three in St. Louis. And if they're the five seed, they're probably going to be in Atlanta for a best two out of three. You know, I, I would not expect, I would not pick the Phillies to win either one of those series. So I think if the Phillies get in the playoffs, uh, you know, great for them, great season, first time since 2011, something to build on. But I'm not picking the Phillies to win a, uh, a round of playoffs. As far as, you know, the Phillies, maybe if they win around and face the Mets again, I, I, anything can happen in playoffs. I go back to 2015 when the Chicago Cubs dominated the Mets all season long, and then the Mets went out to Chicago and, and swept Chicago to get to the World Series. So yeah. you never know what's going to happen in, in the playoffs. But the other thing I think what makes the Mets tough in the in the postseason is they just put the ball in play. Their lineup is just built to put the ball in play, and that's an advantage they have over the Phillies. The Phillies are kind of built to hit home runs. There's a lot of strikeouts there. If they don't hit home runs, they tend to lose. The Mets hit, put the ball in play. I mean, I can't tell you how many hits did they have this weekend that seem to be, you know, leave the bat at 60 miles an hour. I know they have Lindor and Alonzo who are uh, having MVP-type seasons, but to me the guy that typifies the Mets' offense is Jeff McNeil. He's batting like 320. 
He's a basically a singles hitter. He hits the double to start the ninth inning yesterday. Sees a ton of pitches. I mean, he's the guy that typifies the Mets' offense. And, and I think the Mets are, are built for playoff success with their pitching and way their lineup uh, is constructed of, of basically putting the ball in play. Good things happen when that occurs. All right, Mike, let's do a quick little house cleaning. Bryce Harper, uh, what is uh, the latest on him? Well, the latest on him is that he's supposed to take batting practice on the field today. I believe he'll be up at Lehigh Valley probably on Wednesday uh, for a rehab assignment. Once he gets that rehab assignment, he says it's going to be a touch and feel thing as to how many games and at-bats he needs to get ready. If I was a betting man, I would say he would return September 2nd, Friday in San Francisco it just makes sense roster-wise. The rosters will expand. They won't have to send anybody down. Uh, that will give him about a week of rehab games to get ready. So uh, look for a rehab assignment, probably in Lehigh Valley on Wednesday, starting Wednesday of this week. Then see how it goes. And I, if you're going to ask me uh, to place a bet on when he return, I'd say Friday, September 2nd in San Francisco against the Giants. All right, we know Knable's done for the year. You mentioned uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. So uh, the bullpen has a little bit of issues. My, my last thought I want to get your take on. Is there any thought in your mind that Wheeler would prefer to throw to Stubbs and that's why he elected to pitch the first game? No, I mean, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of veteran pitchers, uh, you know, will pitch that first game of the doubleheader. That's not uncommon, basically because they just don't want to sit around and wait, you know, seven hours to pitch. So uh, most veterans will, uh, you know, pick that first game. Wheeler, every time we talk to him, is very complimentary of JT Real Muto, of what he has done, what he's meant behind the plate, what he means to the team. And I'm sure Wheeler would rather have JT's bat in the lineup than Stubbs' bat in the lineup, uh, you know, all things being equal. All right, Phillies lose three out of four to the Mets. They are now uh, the sixth seed, the third wild card, as opposed to the second wild card. But they didn't lose a whole heck of a lot of ground. They got the Reds starting tonight, and we'll have more on that series later on today here on the Sports Bash. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Check out his piece on why the Phillies just simply can't beat the Mets over <laughs> at thepressofatlanticcity.com. Thanks, Mike. All right, we'll see you guys down the road. Thanks. All right, Mike McGarry with us, of course, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here on the Sports Bash. And, hey, we want to have another qualifier. So if you're out there listening, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. Caller number seven, you're going to be entered in for a chance to win that Eagles road trip to Washington thanks to Philly Sports Trips. Pick up the phone right now, 609 609- 573-3776, caller 7. We will see you live this Friday at Garden State Brewery on the White Horse Pike in Galloway. Stop on out, and if we pick your name on Friday, Philly Sports Trips is taking you and a friend down to FedEx Field to cheer on the birds against the commanders, the ride, the tickets, the pregame tailgate party, and caller 7, you now have a shot to go down and see that game. 609-573-3776. Johnny Mack, who stood out in the Eagles' win next? This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Sports Bash is live on 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill, Pete Thompson here at the Gallery 
Bar, Book, and Games at Ocean Casino Resort, Atlantic City. You know, uh, this place is going to be the place to be come football season. And football season, PT, for all intents and purposes, has begun. The Eagles here. yesterday. Yeah. Now, how much? Uh, give me the uh, PT setup yesterday. What'd you do? Had the Eagles game on to watch the beginning of it and uh, turned over to the Phillies uh, after they started and sort of favored the Phillies more, I would say, than the Eagles. But um, I definitely, I was recording the Eagles game. Yeah. So what I did was I basically watched the first half hour of the Eagles game. I saw that each team had scored on their opening drive. You know, the Eagles ate up basically the first quarter, which looked good, and, and a lot of running, you know. They had a lot of gain well in that. And um, Boston Scott. And Boston Scott was that first drive. And uh, and then I flipped over to the Phillies, and I stayed on the Phillies, knowing that I would go back and watch the DVR of the Eagles game, which I did. And then when I went back and watched that late at night, I got to really kind of break down into, you know, who, who did well and who did not do well. One yeah. of the names that didn't do well that, that even, you know, look, when you work for the uh, – Broadcast, you're not going to, you know, your Eagles television, you're really not going to rip on guys too hard. Yeah. Ross Tucker called him out because he's like, I don't know what Davion Taylor is doing. Like, Davion Taylor was lost in space on a play, and, and that wasn't the first time that that's happened. So that's one of the guys that jumped out to me in a negative way. But there was a lot of positives, I thought. All right. Well, what were the positives? Uh, how many negatives did John McMullen see? Uh, he's the host of Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and Sports Illustrated SI.com. He covers the Eagles. He's with us here on the Sports Bash as the Eagles go down to Cleveland. They get the win. But most importantly, I guess, is they got out there healthy. But I thought a lot of interesting storylines emerging uh, from week number two of the preseason, uh, which says something considering there was a lot of starters that played yesterday, John. And you look at um, some of the storylines, the Boston Scott-Kenny Gainwell uh, did they do enough to tell the Eagles that we don't need to look for another running back? Well, I, 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 they played well, and that was a good, um, a good development, especially from Kenny Gainwell, who hasn't had a great camp. So, I think you start to think maybe maybe Kenny's just sort of that game gamer type player. Maybe he's not the best in practice. Maybe he shows up for games. You know, Boston's got a great utility man, so to speak, um, as a backup running back, and he seems to show up whenever the Eagles need him. But I, I don't think those guys are the issues. I mean, the Eagles knew they were they were going to be there. The, the issue is, can you get through 17 games with three backs? I doubt it. So um, I don't think they have a fourth back on the roster right now that's deserving to make the team. I don't think Jason Huntley is has made that push. I don't think Kennedy Brooks has made that push. So that's a position they might look at at the waiver wire or, or try to do something um, from a perspective of bringing a different body in. But, yeah, I mean, Miles is going to be the lead back. Kenny Gainwell is going to be the third down and hurry up back. And Boston Scott is going to be the the backup to Miles Sanders. So, But you, you still need that fourth back, and I don't think the Eagles have it right now. Okay, um, I guess another one of the conversation pieces following the game yesterday, John, would be you had Devin Allen with a 55-yard touchdown. I thought two things were on display there. One, the fact that he could flat-out run and they just let him. Two, he made a pretty nice catch. You know, sometimes those track guys can run, but they can't catch. He really did a good job of corralling that in. Uh, you had Deion Kane yesterday make some tough yeah. catches, man. He went up, made a couple tough catches. Uh 
and uh, Covey didn't do much in terms of the offense there. But <laughs> any of those guys have a shot, even though they had a good game. Um, well, I, I think Deion Kane has a shot from the perspective of, of he's been uh, a, a really solid receiver. Here's my problem with Deion Kane is if you're going to be the fifth or sixth wide receiver on an NFL team, you have to play special teams. And he hasn't really played special teams. So I, I don't know why you would keep somebody um, that low on your roster is not going to be helped not going to be able to help you in that third phase. So either the Eagles amp it up in, the, in week three as we get closer to Miami in the preseason game and they give him a chance to to prove himself on special teams, or I think he's more likely earmarked for the practice squad. I think they'll be able to get him through waivers and, and, and get him on, you know, keep him in the building that way. As far as Devin Allen, I've been waiting all summer for them to just let him run by somebody. He finally did. Um, and it was fun, but I, I think he played 12 snaps. I mean, he's he's at the bottom of the depth chart. So I think the question with Devin Allen is, does he want to continue to try to play football? Or does he want to go back and concentrate solely on track? If he, if he wants to continue to play football, I think the Eagles will keep him on the practice squad. And, yeah, I don't think Britton Covey, Covey has kind of helped himself since he hurt his thumb. Um, I, I, I don't think he's he's the threat. So, you know, what could change things is Jalen Rager being traded, and I think that's a possibility. Um, a lot of teams have called the Eagles about Jalen Rager, interested in the rec- reclamation project. It'll be interesting to see what the Eagles will would accept how he's kind of played hardball to this point. Um, if he's not here, all of a sudden you need a punt returner, you need a kick returner, and then you have to start putting some of those names in the, the equation. I don't know if, 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 if Covey has shown enough as a kick returner either. Um, so special teams is sort of that bugaboo because other than Jake Elliott, who's great uh, as a kicker, and I see Pete, uh, uh, I'm sure Pete's smiling at that. But um, other than that, they're not good on special teams. They don't have good returners. They, they're not good on coverage. They don't have a great punter. You know, the Eagles got to sharpen that up somehow. And, and we'll see what they, what they do. You mentioned Jalen Rager as a trade possibility. Jalen Rager, Andre Dillard, those seem to be the two names that we hear the most as possible trade bait for the Eagles out there. And what would they be looking to get back? What's the piece that they'd be trying to, to find? Uh, I think they could live with a conditional four for Jalen Rager that if he plays a lot, maybe it goes up to a three. Uh, I, I think they could live with that uh, and would accept it and say, all right, it's time to move on. Um, with Dillard, though, I, I don't think they're trading Dillard. And they're, and they're not trading Dillard unless somebody comes up with a second-round pick or, or something of that nature, something pretty significant. Otherwise, they'll just keep the depth um, and, and let them leave via free agency. They'll probably get a pretty good deal. So then you have comp picks to, to think about, depending on what the Eagles do in free agency. 
Um, so I, I think they want to keep Andre Dillard. I think they prefer to move on from Jalen Rager, but they're not going to give him give him away. And what did you think of the signal callers yesterday? Gardner Minshew, 14 for 17, 142 yards. But remember, Sinet's a guy that they claimed off waivers after they traded away Joe Flacco. They saw that he was an arm worth developing. I mean, is Reed Sinet somebody that they have plans to, to maybe be a future number two? Uh, I don't think so. I think they've seen enough of Reed to know that uh, if I'm the Eagles, I'm keeping two quarterbacks and I'm getting Reed on the practice squad. I I don't think anybody's in in danger of picking him up on waivers. Um, And you can go about it that way. Uh, I think Carson Strong's been a major disappointment. Can't even earn reps. I mean, he barely got in, uh, in, in the game. Uh, he's barely taking reps in practice anymore. Um, he's been a real disappointment. So the Eagles have to keep looking uh, for somebody with that upside as sort of a developmental quarterback. Reed threw a nice ball to Devin Allen, but the, the consistency isn't there. Um, and certainly Gardner, uh, you know, Gardner showed you what he can be. You know, he's another guy. He's not He's not a practice player, but, he's, but, but he shows up in games. And you know, he made great decisions. If you think about he had three drives, 14 plays, touchdown, 17 plays, touchdown, 12 plays, and they were at the four-yard line, and they were almost going in. He made his, his only bad decision when that should have been a pick six going the other way. But you know what, guys? If that's a regular season game, they just kicked the field goal. You know, they know Jake Elliott's going to make that field goal 99 and a half times out of 100. So they're not worried about it. They're kind of pushing it in the preseason. Let's see what we can do. And if you get 17 points in three drives, that's pretty effective. So I, I think Gardner Minshew is what we thought he was. And that's that's a top five backup quarterback in this league. Now, he's got to play extended period of time. It's not going to be great, but... Nobody's got a great backup quarterback. You saw uh, Minnesota had to trade for Nick Mullins, who we had, because their backup quarterback situation is so bad. So um, it, it, I, I think people get confused and think other people are back good backup quarterbacks. That That isn't the case. John, uh, another area where the backups uh, got a lot of playing time yesterday was in the secondary. Uh, what did we see from that group, the safeties? Uh, you know, Tchaikovsky Tart, we've got a first chance to get some extended playing time from him. Um, uh, Josiah Scott also got a chance to get out there. Josh Joby's a new fun name that everybody's starting to ask about. So uh, what did you see from that uh, secondary unit? I think the biggest um, positive development for Josiah Scott was he was a captain in the pregame coin toss. I think that tells you a lot. Uh, it was Gardner Minshew for the offense, Sean Bradley for special teams, and Josiah Scott for the defense. I, I think Josiah has made this football team. So to me, it comes down to who was going to be the fourth safety. It seems like Kayvon Wallace is coming back from the dead a little bit. I don't know if that's a good sign for Jaquaski Tart to play 59 reps in that preseason game. Um to me, that's a bad sign. You saw all the all the players, the deference players, I like to call them, that the Eagles didn't play, that are key parts of this team. And kind of what I said about wide receivers, same thing. If you're a backup safety, 
you got to play special teams. Chikoski Tart doesn't play special teams. So if he's not going to be a meaningful part of this defense, why is he going to be on the roster? And do the Eagles think he could be that third safety behind Marcus Epson and Anthony Harris? Well, all I can tell you guys is he hasn't gotten one first-team rep all summer. Uh, and think about the guys who have. Scott, Wallace, um, Andre Sacheray, Reed Blankenship, an undrafted rookie. Every single one of them has gotten first-team reps as the Eagles have tried to figure out that backup space, safety spot. Chukwaski Tart hasn't gotten one. Not one. John McClellan's with us. As you came on, I uh, was talking about Davion Taylor and that Ross Tucker had called him out for kind of getting lost on one of the play. And he's in his third season. He shouldn't look lost like that on certain downs. But the guys that you sometimes think would get lost would be the rookies. What did you think out of this performance of Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean? Uh, I, I don't think Jordan uh, played as well. I think that's uh, pretty obvious to everybody. And it's interesting when Jordan doesn't play well, when Jordan doesn't dominate up front, and you can get blockers to that second level, all of a sudden the issues with Davion Taylor, uh, N'Kobe Dean, and Sean Bradley start to show up. Um, those guys have a really difficult time getting all blocks. Uh, and it, so if Jordan Davis isn't, isn't dominating up front, it becomes much more difficult for them. And that's why T.J. Edwards is um, maybe the most important part of this defense that people don't realize because he's he's the one linebacker they have that can really shed blocks, sort of the big old-school linebacker. The other guys, they got to be relying on big Jordan Davis. So you need Jordan Davis to take up multiple blockers, and he didn't do that well. Now, the positive part is because the Eagles, you know, they weren't playing their normal defense, and they played a lot of 40 fronts. Typically, he, he plays in the 30 fronts, and he, and he plays nose or shade or one technique, and that's what he's really effective at. Now, they think long-term he can do a lot of different things. But that's a work in progress. So when he's playing three technique or he's a little bit outside, he's asked to rush the passer, he's not as effective. I think that changes when they get to the regular season. They'll play they'll play him like they should play him, what he's used to doing, and I think it'll be more effective. But you kind of saw, especially because people are so hyped up about N'Kobe Dean, yeah. you kind of saw the size issues. I mean, if, it, it, if you let NFL linemen get to him, there's not much he can do. So you need that guy tying up blockers in front of not only N'Kobe, but also guys like Davion Taylor and, and Sean Bradley. Yeah, I thought yesterday, John, one of the problems was with the tackling. And then, you know, in one hand, you could say, well, you know, teams don't tackle to the ground a lot in training camp. But is that just using is that just a lame excuse or or, or is that something that legitimately? I mean, were you seeing the same thing I did, which is maybe a lack of uh, want to or effort? I don't know if it's a lack of effort, but yeah, nobody tackles. I mean, nobody tackles. So in, in a lot of ways, that those first two or three games are, are sort of a a glorified preseason to get at least from a contact standpoint. So you're going to see some sloppy play like you always do early in the NFL season because guys don't tackle. So you can't just 
expect them to say, hey, don't tackle, don't tackle, don't tackle, don't tackle, <laughs> show up one day, tackle. I mean, it, it. that's why. And it's not just the Eagles. It's, it's everybody. Yeah. So they're going to struggle with that, but so is everybody else. John, there's a lot of uh, teams around the league uh, that have offensive line issues. This we know. Tampa Bay, big injury yesterday. So uh, what did you see from the Eagles' really second unit? And would you anticipate that teams would be on the phone with Howie Roseman because of their uh, embarrassment of riches, if you would, at that position? Yeah, I mean, you saw it last year with Matt Pryor. Uh, they got a six-round pick for Matt Pryor, and everybody was... You know, everybody here thinks Matt Pryor can't play, and all of a sudden he's the starting left tackle in Indianapolis. And and we saw it with, you know, Halapuli Vati Baitai getting a big contract with Detroit. And yeah, I mean, Jeff Stoutland's got that reputation. You saw that second-team offensive line, which was Dillard. From left to right, it was Dillard, Jack Anderson, Cam Jurgen, Suo Peta, and uh, Jack Driscoll. There are teams in this league that that five could start on right. and be a and, and and be an upgrade. Um, it's an offensive line deficient league, so teams always tend to look at the Eagles for that those those borderline guys, and it's probably guys like Anderson and Opeta and maybe Coyote Awasika, and maybe they can get a sixth or a seventh round pick, but it's not going to be anything dramatic now right. andre dillard could get get you something back especially if somebody has an injury at left tackle but unless the eagles are bowled over like i said they're not they're not giving up andre dillard yeah i, I would agree uh the dillard thing is uh it's interesting because it's like you know he's He's very solid. You don't want to give him up, but then you risk losing him for nothing in the offseason, right? You're, you're kind of stuck between that whole decision that we see a lot. Ha- that happened a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a difficult decision because they are going to lose him. But I think from their standpoint, you know, and that's one of the difficulties Howie Roseman has to think about more than just one year. He's got to think about down the road as well. Um, and he's got to balance that. And, and you know, you have to be realistic. Jordan Mylotta lost, uh, missed a couple games last year uh, with a knee injury. He's had some back injuries in the past. Um, Lane Johnson, we know, has had the ankle uh, and the anxiety issues. So, you know, do you really think those two guys are going to play um, 17 games apiece? Uh, history would tell you probably not. So it, it's... You know, it's a pretty dramatic drop-off from Andre Dillard to then LaRaven Clark or maybe Awasika. Um, and I don't think the Eagles want to go down that road. Now, if Jordan is completely healthy and you get towards the trade deadline, maybe they start thinking about it, rolling the dice at that point, saying, well, we're going to lose him anyway. But then you have the comp pick uh, in the back of your mind as well. And if he signs a big deal as many people expect that will be a pretty significant comp pick if the eagles sign less people uh than they lose in free agency so there's a lot of moving parts to that but you know uh, how he's always got that in play he knows what he's going to do in free agency and if he thinks he's going to lose more than he's going to gain that that'll factor in andre dillard 
and, and his trade prospects very heavily. And I know, John, that Andre Dillard has improved. I mean, it's not, uh, it's the way football works that he is a 6'8", 365-pound freak of nature in front of him. But, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen he's gotten in some, he's played more, uh, he's practiced more aggressive. He's gotten in a few uh, scuffles in training camp. And, you know, you think back to in his rookie season, did he get in a fight and he was so messed up that uh, Doug Peterson had to go over and, like, comfort the guy? You know, I mean, he's become an NFL football player. Yeah, uh, Doug and Howie, and the, I think it was the Inquirer got a picture. He may or may have not been crying, but, uh, uh, you know, that stuff sticks with you, especially in Philadelphia. And people think, for whatever reason, Andre can't play. He can play. He's a very good left tackle. As you mentioned, uh, Pete, he just is stuck behind. Um and you're being kind, given Jordan 365. He's he's 380, and by the way, he's 380, and he, he's not he's not bad at all. I mean, he carries. He's so big, he carries that, uh, and he's an athletic freak, as you said. So, you know, it's kind of like uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back in Cleveland. Everybody's talking about Kareem Hunt. You know, he might be a top ten running back, but he's stuck behind Nick Chubb. Um, Andres probably a top 15 left tackle in this league but he just happens to be stuck behind jordan mylotta now i know cam jurgens looked really good again yesterday but i thought the one thing and i went back i watched the game john i dvr'd it so i was because i was watching the phillies live when they happened but uh, the funniest revelation to me was when uh, Dave Spadaro did a sideline interview or a report uh, basically talking about those safety, the caps that they wear on top of the helmets. The guardian caps. Yes, the guardian caps. And and Jason Kelsey came over and two-hand pounded on top of it. popped him. But that shows you that Kelsey's elbow must be okay. Yeah, he popped spuds. Maybe Dave will get some criticism if Kelsey doesn't show up for week one. Be re-aggravated the elbow. Now I think everybody's under the working assumption that Jason Kelsey's going to play, but you know because he plays through everything, uh, and he started 122 consecutive games. He's going to be there. Uh, but it is nice to see Cam Jurgens play, and you know now the Eagles are very comfortable. If something does happen to Jason Kelsey, uh, that they have a backup center that they can slot right in there. And he's not going to be Jason Kelsey, but he already looks like he's ready to play, at least at a uh, a competency level. And again, the depth for that team on the offensive line is pretty impressive. Um, it's not impressive elsewhere, like running back, tight end, safety, but offensive line, it's, it's very impressive. All right, John McMullen, the Eagles, uh, they're heading to Miami this week. Joint practices and then the final preseason tune-up. Uh, that is Saturday night. We'll have that game for you live on 97.3 ESPN. And that's it uh, before the regular season. So I would imagine uh, these two joint practices, we'll get a chance to uh, see what the starters bring. Would not uh, anticipate, I don't know, that third preseason game used to be the one you saw them. So is this now the third preseason game, or is this like the last one where really nobody played? Yesterday, nobody really played. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. That, it. it it depends on the joint practices, and they're going to have them again this week. So I wouldn't count on seeing those deference players, the same guys you didn't see yesterday. I wouldn't count on seeing them right um, uh, against Miami. And, yeah, 
I wish we could get to to week one of the regular <laughs> season. I am all preseason out, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I am done with preseason football. All right. Well, you, me, everybody else, we're ready for the regular season. I think the Eagles uh, feel they, they they feel like they feel like they're ready for the regular season by not playing anybody as well. And, of course, uh, the Eagles beat the Browns yesterday. That was the other part of it uh, that kind of gets lost in the sauce. All right, John, we will catch up with you uh, tomorrow as the Eagles get ready. Uh, oh, for by the way, guys, real quick, I, I am going to Miami, so I will be in the air. So, oh, uh, oh gotcha. All right. It's, uh, so I will not be able to join you tomorrow. Gotcha. All right, well, we will uh, hook up with you then on Wednesday. And safe travels. Yeah. All, right, buddy. All right, thanks, guys. You got it. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, so John uh, will be in Miami, so we'll get updates from him uh, for the joint practices. Now, I don't know when the joint practice, because they play Saturday this week. Yeah, I think they're, I, I thought the Eagles set out their advanced schedule. Of what got extra doing. days in Miami. Right. Uh, I don't know about, I mean, look, just don't do it at 2 o'clock in the heat and humidity of Miami. I got, that 2 uh, o'clock stuff was pretty ridiculous. I got qualifying names on the other side. If we uh, call your name out, you have a chance to win an Eagles road trip to Washington to see the Eagles and the Commanders at FedEx Field thanks to Philly Sports Trips this Friday. Happy Hour Friday, Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a lot of fun over there. Yeah, we're going to be live at Garden State Brewery, and we're going to give away a uh, Eagles road trip. One of our qualifiers is going to get a pair of tickets, ride to the game, a little tailgate party, pregame tailgate party. It's the best way to go, man. Got to. Leave the driving to Philly Sports Trips. All right, when we come back, well, Phils, they get three out of four. Eagles win. We got all that. Plus, PT. Plus, MG. I got to uh, get a, a TV show maybe from you. Oh, okay. I'll tell you why coming up. All right. All right, stick around. Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. South Jersey sports leader. Our latest qualifier is Joe Straub. Joe Straub. All right, Joe. If Joe's out there, let him know he qualified for a chance to win an Eagles road trip. You know, if I heard Joe Straub's name and I knew him, yeah. I'd be the first person to call because if he doesn't have anybody to go with, then he says, well, you want to go to the game? Right. He'll always be thankful. Remember, Joe, where I gave you the heads up that your name was the one that was picked? You yeah, needed like, to call in or contact? Hmm, who am I going to take to the game? How about the guy who called me and let me know that he heard my name on the radio? That's it, Joe, Joe Straub. Okay, Joe. We're going to be live on Friday, Happy Hour Friday, at Garden State Brewery. So, PT, you know, we're live here at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino mm-hmm. Resort every Monday. If you, uh... Want to come out and see us now? When's the Eagles' first Monday night game? Uh, it's early, right? Sunday, no, they play a Sunday night game in week two, I believe. But uh, their first Monday night game, uh, hang on, efforting, efforting, thinking, efforting. What do you think? I mean, I can't just regurgitate this stuff. You think I've memorized the season? Yeah. Thank you. September That's 19th against the what Vikings. I said. Very early. It's week two. No, but the Sunday night game is against... Oh, yeah, it is. That is a Monday night game. I was just looking at that. My bad. I was looking at that on the way in. Yeah, PT. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> I got Josh in my ear. <laughs> the two of you are like rock'em, sock'em robots. Yes, Monday, September 19th against the Vikings. So All that's right. uh, week don't, two. Don't punch the horse in the Jetro line. Week two, PT. Yeah. I like to see a lot of Eagles fans come on out here, see the show live, watch the game right here for Monday Night Football. I would, and we'll stay with them at least till halftime. Then maybe PPT has to get his beauty sleep. <laughs> uh, so I told you that I might need a new TV show. Yeah, what do you? Uh, what, did you finish the blacklist, or what are you going? No, with but I will tell you. So I'm going to need a little help here. All okay. right. Okay. So we're like at the end of season seven of the blacklist. Yeah. All right. And I feel like uh, my girlfriend's about to bail. Oh yeah. Eh, I think she's starting to think it's a little far fetched. She doesn't really buy Keen, you know, the whole thing. I mean, so my question is, okay. now have you seen, are you up to date? On the Blacklist. Yes. Never seen a single episode, ever. I know the premise. I've never seen a single episode. Can I just say real quick, my favorite part of this is the fact that your girlfriend is completely not bought in on Keen. Yeah, she That's thinks it. she's too much of a flip-flopper she's supposed to be like a high-level fbi um profiler <laughs> and yet she can't figure anything out you know i so think it's absolutely hilarious that, like, that's the one character that she's like i'm out on yeah, this character i am out on keen she says so we've come this far do 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 I have to talk her to keep going? Like, she's like, basically, I don't or, know. Or get her blessing to go on without her. You well, know I mean, mean? It's, see, it's hard to, like, do a show like that by yourself. You need a good hour or two or three, you know, if you're going to binge. Right. I mean, I binge some stuff. Like, I watched that entire uh, League of Their Own on my own because I knew that wasn't something that Susan was going to dive into. But, like, it, look, I'll tell you right now, something that everybody's talking about that I'm going to write about in Shore Local this week uh, everybody's all excited about House of the Dragon. Well, PT is not watching House of the Dragon because I've never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. So I'm certainly not going to watch some Game of Thrones spinoff. Uh, exactly. I saw Dragon stuff yesterday all on social media and everybody was all excited. And I thought, like, no, thank you. You know, uh, it's like a salad for yeah. PT. No, thank you. <laughs> well, I want to know if anybody's out there who has, like, is up-to-date on the blacklist. Now, Josh, where are you on the blacklist? I am finished season eight. Is that as far as it is on Netflix, right? Correct. So you the, can't the, go any further. And season nine doesn't come out on Netflix until, I think it's the first week of October. Double-check the exact date. But they just finished season 10, right? No, they're starting season 10. Oh, they're starting season 10. Yes. All right, so you're at the end of season eight. Would you advise that I keep going? I would advise you keep going because the reason why you and I watch the show is not because of Keen. We love Reddington. And, and the, and the <laughs> evolution of the Reddington character is just juicy to me. Well, we're at the point now where, you know, she's helping out her mom. She's like, doesn't know if who's to believe, but she's seemingly helping her mom out. And it's just like, you know, and I said, well, I got to figure out what's going on here. You, you, there's, Whose there side are things is she really that are, on? Here's the thing. There are things that are coming that are going to blow the current narrative out of the water. Oh, in that case, you got to keep watching. I mean, Josh being a season ad, he didn't reveal too much there other than to say no. what's still to come is 
must watch. Therefore, I'm I'm just going to weigh in. And I'm say not you ready to, to bail, it. but I will say it's starting to get a little where it's like, all right. Look, but not, not I've every come season so you're gonna, far. You're not going to knock it out of the park every season. Show the longer a show goes, the more that you have dud episodes. I think. The, that's, oh, there are that's dud episodes. Natural. There are absolutely dud episodes with the blacklist. But here's the thing. You just said it, Pete. We're in season seven. I just finished season eight. Season nine is coming up. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you know, Pete, you know, how many times have you watched something and you're like, I have to watch this one episode so I can watch the next stupid episode so I can get to where I really want to get to. Right. Because they're interconnected. I mean, look, guys, there's shows that I've had that I've started to watch and been into and then I just couldn't keep like the first couple seasons of Westworld on HBO were amazing and I had to keep watching them. And then it just sort of got a little too bizarre and a little Entourage. The, you know, so I stopped watching that. Uh, another show that it was on regular network television was Manifest. That was on NBC. And, and you know, fool me once, shame on me, but Manifest got into this thing where I thought, like, you know what? This is just going to be, like, lost all over again where they're never going to resolve anything. They're never going to answer any of the questions. Yeah. Uh, like, white smoke, black smoke, is this the good mom? You know, none of that's ever going to get resolved, so I, I, I'm sorry. I can't I can't commit to this anymore. So, and that kills me because I am a guy, and I've said this to my girlfriend Susan before. I will sit through a bad two-hour movie. I will sit through something bad because I've committed to it, and I think, well, I've got to watch it through to resolution. Yeah, you're not going to just get up. But sometimes you have to leave. These well, shows. like Entourage was like that for me. That show At just the got end, to the point where you're like, oh my god, I just made it this far. I guess I got to keep going. But that show was bad towards the end. Very much so. Um, I think a lot of shows get long in the tooth. The show, prison the show Break. That, prison, prison Break, break was yes. excellent. For the first season, Prison Break was excellent. Incredible. But, but once they got out of once jail. Once they broke out, it was a mess. It was like, wait a second. Yeah. The show is called Prison uh, Break. You've already broken yeah. out of prison. Yeah. And, then, and then the whole line was, and now they're going to break back in. And you're like, what? Yeah, that right. show really got that. do that? Right. I got to tell you, another show that is underratedly went downhill but you kept watching it because was sopranos yeah that's true as sopranos got a little deeper like you just kept watching it and saying it was good because the beginning was so good but really like season like five four five it kind of went tailed off a little bit does anybody agree with me on that I, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't The Sopranos. It's hard to maintain that level, like, each episode in and out, bringing it. You know, Fargo's another one for me. The oh, Fargo that was on FX. Have you watched any of those seasons, Gil? No. Well, you got to watch. Do you like Billy Bob? Who's Billy Bob? Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, Billy Bob Thornton? Um, <laughs> he's okay. you got to watch the first. What are we on a first name basis? Oh, to me, he is. You know, but you got to watch the first season of Fargo. I, that's the one, and I've said this on the radio with you before. The first season of Fargo, when it came to its conclusion, I was sitting in bed watching it, and I sat up and clapped out loud, <laughs> thereby waking my girlfriend up. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I'm clapping. And she's like, for who? I go, the writers of this show. It was that good. Uh, you guys have to watch a show called From on Epics. It's awesome. Now, what is Epics? Epics is uh, up high on the cable channels. It's like above... Uh uh, all the HBOs and stuff. It's in the eight uh, hundreds or three hundreds, like three ninety nine. What is it like a uh, movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's it's, a, it's, there's it's another of... one of the many movie channels that have rights to random shows and movies. From says it's a horror slash fiction show. 
Boyd and Sarah journey deeper into the forest than Boyd has ever gone, encouraging encountering new and terrifying mysteries. Okay. That sounds like something my dad would watch. All right, this text says, stick with it, Mike. Great, all the way up to today, this last season, Reddington is the man. I do love James Spader. Uh, that's that's well, Red, right? Spedding, yeah, yeah, Speddington. Reddington, <laughs> Spader, and Reddington, I matched them together. Yes. He definitely makes it work. Like, the interaction between him and Denbe is phenomenal. I mean, but that's few and far between in the show. It happens, like, here and there. Some of the stories are just like, but I, I do agree with what she's saying. That oh, your girl's out on Megan Boone. I see what you're saying. The keen character, yeah. yeah. She is. Well, she's supposed to be Reddington's daughter, right? But they try to blur it to make you wonder if she really is. Correct. And then the mother, who has been in and out, she was like a Russian operative and a double agent. Yeah, she doesn't know if she's. <sighs> Like, what her intentions are. Like, she re-entered her life, and it's just a little bit. See, for me, I never liked Keen's character either, but I wasn't there for Keen. I was there for Reddington. So anything well, for me... Keen was married that... to a, a guy who was working for Reddington. But was double spying because he was also working for the... Uh, the what's the other agency? Um, That's funny. The KGB. No, no, not the KGB. He was working for the um, the Cabal. Yeah, the Cabal, yeah. Like a made up. Did you uh, ever watch any episodes of Blind Spot? No. That was on NBC. I watched that entire run of that series. I mean, look, uh, that's the thing is if, if you're gonna if you're gonna move away from Blacklist, find a show that's like it. I know. Well, Blind Spot, a... Person of Interest was good. Well, I went, alias. I uh, went to alias, Blacklist really? because I liked the Americans. Right. I liked. Um, what was the one with uh, uh, Claire Danes? Oh, Homeland. 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 Really like that. Although that one went off the... You and your girl should watch Burn Notice. The Burn Notices back in the day on USA. It had Jeffrey Donovan and it had the girl from... Yeah, but uh, here's the problem, Pete. That was the one the show I was going to bring up earlier. I had to bail on Burn Notice before the final season. Yeah. I was so ticked off. Like, I was so bleeping mad Mm. at the direction that they took the show... I quit before the final season. Wow. And that does happen. You know, we watched. Shameless. We watched another all one. Sevens. I watched. Oh. Shameless is another show. Saw some good that reviews was, for the bear the other day. Shameless was another show that you just kept watching because you made it that far. But that show probably could have ended in like season five. Probably. Yes. And, and look, if you're that in love with Red, then just go back and start watching the, the Boston Legals and watch oh, him interact yeah. on. Uh, on Boston Legal with uh, William Shatner. Oh, those interactions are classic. I mean, Denny Crane and Alan Shore, forget about it. Yeah. That's 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 outstanding. Do you remember right James there. Spader in the Seinfeld episode? Uh, I remember when he tried to take over as the boss for Dunder Mifflin when Michael Scott had left and they were auditioning new bosses. I do not. What Seinfeld episode was he in? When he was uh, Jason Stanky Hanky, and he was the uh, recovering alcoholic, and he was working in the ice cream shop, and he wanted the rum raisin. <laughs> Who writes this stuff? Oh, hell, thank you. You just reminded me. My dad's favorite flavor of ice cream is rum raisin, so I'm going to get him some handmade rum raisin before By I the go way, visit So him. I got a good story for you. You'll enjoy this story. Uh, I'm already enjoying All right. the Stanky Hanky reference. Yeah, that was his character. That's name. hilarious. Jason Stanky Hanky. All right, very good. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Adam Kaplan has today's football at four. He was in Cleveland uh, last week. And we'll get his thoughts on the preseason game. Phillies and Mets, that series 
thankfully is in the books. Yeah. Uh, Philly's lineup's got to be out tonight, right? Have you seen it? I, I have not seen it come out because I'm having a little trouble with my internet here, but... PT seems to be playing around on that genie box. Over yeah, there. I'm finding things. I'll, I'll look for the lineup for you. So, uh, I got a story that you'll enjoy. Okay. Okay? Okay. More sports bash on the way. Uh, plus, at Mike Gill Show on Twitter. I want to read off some of the tweets, responses from this weekend. And uh, I'll tell you who's going to be with us on uh, Friday for a segment at uh, Garden State Brewery. Yeah, that's exciting. All right. All right, I'm Mike. That's Pete. This is the Sports Bash at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino Resort. Get your game on at the Ocean Gallery Bar Book and Games. This football season, cheers your favorite drinks while cheering on your favorite team. Go to the Gallery and Ocean Casino Resort to go for the win. For more information, visit theoceanac.com. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the Sports Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ESPN. Sports Live, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike, that's Pete. We're live at Ocean. Uh, Ocean Casino Resort is the ultimate fantasy draft party spot. Go for all the bragging rights this fantasy football season and plan your draft party at Top Golf. Each party receives a dedicated VIP draft space or private bay at Top Golf for up to four hours. An ocean draft board, swag bag, championship, trophy, and more. Your fantasy football season starts here at Ocean Casino Resort. For details, go to theoceanac.com. So, PT, thank you. You uh, delivered uh, two nice hats. Oh, yes, you did get the hats. Good. Yes. Left you that. That was part of the giveaway. Mm-hmm. The other night, and it helps. You were talking about the ratio of Mets fans to Phillies fans. Well, the Mets fans didn't want the free giveaway hat, so when the game got done, I happened to notice there was a plethora of hats. Like right. I had already got, I took three Mets fans, yep. so I had four hats to begin with, lock, stock, oh, and barrel. That's nice. One plus the three of the guys that I got. Gotcha. But then I ended up with like nine when I walked out. Wow. I think I had nine hats. Nine hats. Day. Yeah. So the hats were in the studio today. Okay. And Josh tried the hat on. And what happened? Well, he said it didn't fit. Huh. So he said, oh, what was your reaction? Huh. Huh. He, I said, what do you mean it doesn't fit? It's right. a snapback. Yeah. He, he shows it to me. He says, well, all the snaps are full. Like, they, that's it. Unsnap it and move it to the one all the way, like, make it as wide as possible. Right. He, had he never worn a snapback hat before? I, I don't know. <laughs> Josh, had you never worn a snapback hat in your life? I mean, or he said he never only... saw a, the hat to where I have a hat here. So I'll show you what I mean With when the I said snaps. This is well. A... He said he never saw the hat oh, where the, the snaps, snaps go. This like they cover this beyond. part, like beyond. Oh, so like he's never seen it to where it was like you know out of the box. They were past the point. Uh, no, out of, out of the box, box they, they were, were like this. Up. They yeah. were. Okay. They were straight like that. All right. And so, wait. Oh, oh, 
you're saying the problem was the hat was wasn't was it too small? The too way big. It was, too it was big. So big. he needed to make it smaller. So oh, I he went, had to go past. I yeah. said, well, why don't you just do this? Right. And he said he never saw that before. He didn't know you could do that. Yeah, absolutely. You could do that. Now, so, well, that's the, the purpose of the snapback is so that you can adjust the size. Right. Now, on the ones with the cloth, you'd be able to tuck in that extra stuff behind. But that's And that's why, full disclosure, I prefer the cloth uh the little tightener with the cloth stuff and the extra tail, yeah. you know, where you can tuck that in. Well, like but, the snapback, you know. But a good snapback, and plus, a good snapback for free. <laughs> hey, sir, how much did you pay for that? Well, he wasn't hat? complaining. He would just say, oh, this is going to have to be more of like a, like for show. Yeah. Just a, but now you what was the term you used? I can't remember. It's more of a showcase hat than a wearing hat. Yeah, just like leave it on the, I said, well, you can. You can adjust, adjust that. the hat. Pass to the point. And yeah. then he adjusted it, and it fit fine. There you go. Have you ever seen such a thing where you didn't know that the snap was adjustable? Nope. I've never seen that happen before, but that's a very good Josh's. It's like story. a baseball game the other night. I never saw before, I don't think, where <laughs> um, who was pitching the lefty for the Phillies? Um, uh, the bullpen. Uh, who's, uh, Alvarado. Alvarado yep. struck the guy out, and it was a strikeout 1-3 on the putout. Yeah, that's right. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but yep. the ball ricocheted back to him, yep. and he threw the guy out at first base. Fine. Football at four. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast and it is brought to you by american airlines and atlantic city international airport acy now has your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations book today at aa.com adam kaplan is here today as the eagles win their game in cleveland that's really uh inconsequential when you think about the wins and losses but uh, what did he see from the game? So some thoughts on the combined practices and preseason game number two. Adam was in Cleveland last week, so we got a chance to see those joint practices. And then the game on Sunday, Adam, and obviously we did not see Jalen Hurts in the game. Uh, but what about uh, that quarterback position uh, that we got a chance to see in uh, Cleveland between Thursday, Friday, and then the game on Sunday? Yeah, good to be with you guys. So, yeah, Mike, Carter Minshew had a good week of practice, you know, the two weeks, two days of practices in Berea, Ohio with the Browns. So much better than he had been earlier in camp when he was very inconsistent. And then obviously in the game he was brilliant. In fact, both games he's played well, particularly this game. Uh, look at the I mean, literally, if he would have played the entire game, he might have had four scoring drives. But the bottom line is they came out running it, Mike. How about Boston Scott with 11 touches on the first drive? I mean, they did not see that coming. Whereas they threw it just about all, every play in the previous game with Hurts. Uh, they ran it here, and then th- later in the drives they would throw it. So, yeah, it looked good, no doubt about it. And Minshew was terrific. He's clearly the two. Sinet's the three if they keep three. Sinet has a chance to be on the practice squad, but no doubt Minshew has solidified that job. Not that there was any question, but he certainly played very well yesterday. Yeah, you mentioned Boston Scott. You know, he's one of them guys. Like, I feel like 
whenever they've asked him to play, whenever someone's gotten hurt and he's got to get extended, uh, you know, playing time, he he always seems to to do the job. I mean, do they just? Um, you know, is it one of those things where, hey, we know we have Boston here. We don't really, um, you know, because we keep talking about that running back position. But do they feel stronger about their running back situation than others do? Mike, it's interesting. So on today's Inside the Birds, which you could get on YouTube or any platform for podcasting, we actually delve into the running back situation and the dilemma that they have. Because as we know, the entire season last year, there were two running back offense. Boston Scott did not have a touch from scrimmage until the second half of the season. Uh, when Sanders got hurt and Jordan Howard got hurt, they were forced to play me. Obviously, did well. We call him the Giant Killer. He's been amazing against the Giants over his career. But for whatever reason, because of and part of it's because Jalen Hurts is a big part of the run game. He's almost their third back. They didn't need, need the, to use three backs. So this season, you wonder. With Kenny Gainwell's inconsistency, particularly uh, after he came back from his hip injury, he had been really disappointing, dropping passes in practice. Sirianni pointed out during Friday's practice two mental errors. It's not a secret. Uh, some of the reporters t- discussed this. Uh, so, look, Gainwell has not been quite as good as they had hoped for. Now, it doesn't mean he's bad, but you notice Boston Scott and Mike, I know starting only means who's out there for the first series, but Scott got all the touches on the first series, and he was terrific. Average well over five carries, uh, five yards per carry before they got to the red zone. So look, right now it's, it's interesting. I, I'm, 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 it's one of the one of the questions that we didn't think we had, but we now have. And right now, Mike, it'll be a question when we put together our list of questions heading to the regular season. There's no, there's no doubt. Game one versus Scott is now a battle. Not only a battle, it's a question mark. Is who, who's going to have that role? We know game one will come in passing situations, but. Who will spell Sanders on early downs? Adam Kaplan with us for Football at Four. Adam, it's Pete Thompson, and I know that you talked about the running game being what uh, they came out and featured, uh, those 14-play drive, the 17-play drive, and, of course, you can't run the football if the offensive line isn't doing their job. Cam Jurgens again, second week in a row that he started, and he looked pretty good early. I thought uh, Cam Jurgens continues to open up eyes. If he could be with it, yeah, no doubt about it. He's been the story, one of the great stories of training camp. He, as uh, one organizational source said to us, he's very well ahead of schedule. Uh, I would agree with that. And talking to people at practice, yep, no doubt. And the good thing is once once the tackle football started, i.e. the preseason, he's left no doubt that he's ahead of schedule. You know, it's one thing to do it in practice, and he also, by the way, do well in the joint practices. But you got to show it when you could tackle and really hit. And he's really done that. So much so that you, you got to feel pretty good if he had a play that he can get the job done. Uh, because, again, it, with, with live playing in two games, filling in for Kelsey, and you didn't know this going in, guys, he's done a very good job. He's certainly been one of the, the bright spots in training camp of many. And one of the things I said to Mike Gill earlier in the show, Adam, is that we almost got a little sneak peek to uh, uh, Spuds. Uh, Dave Spadaro did a sideline <laughs> report where he had that protective cap on, and uh, Kelsey came over and banged him on top of the thing to show that it did protect him, allegedly. And that, that may give us a hint of uh, how serious we should take the elbow issue with Jason Kelsey. Yeah, it's funny. I talked to Dave about it today. We had a good laugh. He did a great – I mean, look, if you ever worked in television or radio, I remember when I worked for ESPN, Trey Wingo told me that – give me a tip early on there. He goes, don't worry about anything that goes on around you. Just keep going no matter what. And ironically, I don't remember what year a light fell and part of it hit the back of my head – 
and I just went on with the Sports Center segment. Then I asked, "What in the world just happened?" <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we have to do in, in uh, the media. Just keep going on. Uh, Adam, you know the wide receiver thing is uh, interesting because you know you got Smith and AJ and Quez. We think and Pascal are probably good, and most people think Rager, unless he gets traded, is going to be here. But Devin Allen showed the speed and corralled a fifty-five yarder. Deion Kane, I thought, made a couple tough catches, went up over defenders, and, and kind of showed something. So, are Kane and Allen, uh, you know, do they have a shot here? Well, here's what I'll tell you. That Kane won't be on the roster if Jalen Rager's traded. We, we reported months ago that he will not be cut. If Rager is traded, uh, Mosher had a great nugget on our show recently that there were two teams involved, at least a minimum of two teams that have, have expressed interest. If they trade Rager, Kane almost certainly will be on the team. And then they would have to figure it. Pascal's all, obviously he's on the team. He's their fourth receiver. He's had a great camp, by the way, since he came back. Uh, for the food poisoning, I mean, it's amazing. You know, he lost all this strength and all this weight. He looked great, uh, Pascal. And then Deion Cain's the other guy. Uh, it would not surprise me because they want to keep Britton Covey. But they kept six receivers. Now, in terms of Devin Allen, it's still a major long shot if he's on the roster. I could certainly see him waived, and if he doesn't get claimed, being on their practice squad. I mean, he did it against third stringers. I mean, it would, look, he's great straight line speed, but he didn't play meaningful football in six years. So let's let's be serious here. It's now, I always say never say never, right? but it's highly unlikely that Allen will be on the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he obviously showed you why he's the fastest man in the world with that man. He he took off and just exploded and past that defender. I like that he did the hurdles. He added the hurdles That's in pretty there. cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what, you, what are we learning about tight end this week? Because I think we could all say that that is probably a big spot behind Goddard that is still up in the air. Yeah, so as I told you, Mike, on Friday, Grant Calcaterra ran into a fence. It was to my left, and thank goodness he was fine. Didn't look good when he went down, but he's fine. Look, nothing's changed. Goddard has been a star of training camp. Stoles, the two, he was never challenged. It was, they, were, they didn't bring anyone to challenge him. I don't know why people thought this was a battle. It was never a battle. The only battle was with Calcaterra would be the third tight end versus Noah uh, Togiai or Richard Rogers. Richard Rogers makes sense to be on the practice squad as one of their veterans, and Tyree Jackson looks like he's close. I'll be interested to see what they do. Do they do they activate him? He's. I, I watched the run. He looks really good. Now, do they want to keep on PUP for the first four four games? That's up to them. But that's it. I mean, there's this really bit. Calcaterra could have been really interesting if he would not have gotten hurt and been out for the better part of three weeks with what we're told is a significant hamstring strain. In fact, I was there the day he did it. He grabbed it, and it was obvious. But he looked, I'll tell you what, Mike, he looked very good running. They, they purposely limited him on Friday. That was his first day back. He looked very fluid in, in, uh, in individual drills. I know Cam, uh, Pete asked you about Cam Jurgens, but how about that second offensive line in general? Yeah. And, you know, you wonder if teams around the league are saying, man, the Eagles got some depth there. Maybe we need to make a phone call. Yeah, so Dillard, Opata, Jurgens, Anderson, and Driscoll did very, very well. The Eagles love their depth. In fact, the Panthers tried to make a play for Dillard. We reported this uh, last year at the trade deadline. They tried to get Dillard from the Eagles. They were not trading him. In fact, uh, we were told that the Eagles never set their price because they were not shopping him and they didn't want to trade him. It would take a pretty good pick for the Eagles to consider trading him. They just, I think the Eagles roster, we, we've talked, John and I, I mean, uh, we've all talked about this on your show, Mike, uh, with Jeff and, uh, and myself since we've, we've done these, these segments this year, this roster is, we've said this now for three months, this roster is even better than we thought it was. 
it's performed way better in training camp than we expected. Are you really going to go with a guy like Raven Clark as your left tackle, That as your backup left tackle? You, the Eagles have to ask themselves that. To entertain a trade for Dillard, you first have to ask yourself that. If you are, then you might be willing to give trade him for maybe a third-round pick, which is better than they'd ever get from his, with a compensatory pick anyway. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting dilemma. I, I know that they've been resistant to do it, but I'm interested to see if they get any overtures. It, it's hard to find left tackles. It's not easy. Adam Kaplan's with us for football at four, and uh, we've talked about the offense a little bit, Adam. I'd like to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. I know it was a lot of backups. And, and you know, uh, you mentioned your TV career earlier. I was in TV. and so It's rare that you hear the host of the Eagles, you know, the a- analyst from the Eagles broadcast criticize somebody. But Davion Taylor looked a little lost out there at times. And he's in his third season. I mean, uh, uh, he jumped out at me as somebody I thought that didn't really show up yesterday or yesterday for the Eagles defensively. Were there, is there anybody else on the defensive side that either jumped out to you positive or negative? Yeah, Kaji White was an absolute man during practice as Pete. He, he is, we have not talked about him enough on, on our football floor. He's been a star at training camp. Uh, looks like this is good. Now, he, he's got to do it when the regular season starts, obviously. But he's been a star of training camp, uh, no doubt about it. He's one of their two starting linebackers. The Eagles going to be a nickel team, so there'll be a multiple front team, which is what we reported this in the spring, and that's exactly what we've seen. They're, they're going to mix up coverage. Everything we kind of thought they'd do, they looks like they're going to do, whereas last year, boy, they didn't even do even close to half of what we thought they were going to do. Right. But Davion Taylor, guys... He's in good enough physical shape. He's not hurt. He's not hurt anything. Uh, we're told he, he took up yoga to, to help with the soft tissue injuries, and so far that's been the case. But, man, he's in a tough spot because White Edwards also had a great camp. Reddick is technically a linebacker. Patrick Johnson, Kobe Dean, obviously. And then Kyron Johnson, they love for special teams. Those, are to me, would be the six. It'll be fascinating to see what they do because they, they typically don't cut early-round picks. Unless they get, unless they clearly don't think they could help them, boy Taylor last summer guys before he got hurt looked like he was coming on, but he just has not played enough football for them. So it's a great question. I, I, he's another one who uh, to me would be on the bubble. We got um, you know a look at Jordan Davis and his impact last week. This week it seemed that his impact wasn't nearly as great, and then that kind of showed that the you know when he doesn't take up the space, the smaller linebackers get exposed a little bit. And you know I wonder what you thought about Jordan Davis uh, in, in this game. I understand when you put when you're playing all backups, you're going to get backup results. I think we, sometimes we overanalyze what we expect. Like, well, this guy's got to play great. Well, let, let's understand he's not. He's not subbing in for Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave. He's actually starting. He's playing you know, early on with the defense with a bunch of backups. That, that you, so you're not getting any help. Sometimes these guys get exposed. Yes, he didn't have a great game. It was disappointing. All of them were. They were horrendous versus the run, as the Browns defense was. It's really interesting how both teams could not stop the run. Now, during practice, I could tell you over the two days, he was much better. I don't have an answer for you why he was not as good and why their defense was so bad versus the run. And, and by the way, look, Josh Dobbs threw the ball well. The, the, the Browns quarterback who started, I was a little bit surprised. I've watched Dobbs before. He's not, he not, he typically doesn't throw very well. He did a very good job. But you know, overall, I wouldn't worry about the backups playing with backups. I think we, we overanalyze that stuff. Uh, we know what's happened in training camp, uh, and we know what happened in joint practices. I think they're actually in pretty good shape with depth. It just, Marlon Tupelotu, by the way, has been a, another guy on very – 
very under the radar, but it's, it has had a good training camp. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we talked about that earlier in the show, Adam, before you joined us about, you know, teams don't tackle in training camp anymore either. The, the t- tackling to the ground is a lost art. So, you know, if you see a preseason game that has poor tackling in it, uh, what, what do you expect? Uh, I thought uh, Josh Job looked pretty good in the uh, action. They had team high seven tackles, had a pass breakup. Uh, he flashed a little for me. How about you? Yeah, Pete, yeah, he, he definitely has been a good story. He's definitely ahead for the fourth outside outside corner job. He's pushing. I'm not going to say it's a guarantee. Uh, Jos- Josiah Scott got hurt. He limped off the game. We, we need to get an update. But he, he was a lot to make the football team. I hate to say that, but he's had a very good camp. Fans have no idea. Uh, the fans that are saying that he should make the team, I, you clearly don't know what's happened in training camp. He's been a tremendous story of development. You know, the, the lost art with guys from Doug Peterson's group is that so few players develop. This group, this, this coaching staff, is developing players much better. There, there, there aren't a lot of players where you could say, okay, this guy's not developing or that guy's not developing. They, they, a lot of these guys are developing. Now, some of the back, deep back-end corners have not done the job. Mac McCain, Tay Gowan, and Tr- Carrie Vincent, okay, they, they, well, they were guys that don't expect anything of at all. Uh, but a lot of the guys they inherited are developing, and that's a good thing. Uh, I, you know, when you get the young rookies, everybody's always... You know, once they hear about the rookies, how do they look? Milton Williams was one of those young rookies last year, and so was Marlon uh, Tupelotu. And, you know, we don't get to hear much about them because they drafted a young player at that position. So what about Milton and Marlon uh, in your number two? Yeah, so Tupelotu, if we turn in our 53 now, I'd have him as the 50 tackle. That's it. Not going to keep six. Wouldn't think. So Williams has been good. Look, he, he's mainly a D tackle who will play in when you need him to. You know, Derek Barnett is, is playing Deanne. He's playing stand-up outside linebacker. You know, they're, they're, a little bit, they're, they're more multiple, so they're asking guys to play different positions, particularly Barnett, Teron Jackson as well. It's uh, Look, it's, it's going to be fun to see this, this defense, guys. You know, we, we talked about Josiah Scott, who coming in training camp, I didn't think really had much of a, uh, a chance, but he's been it's just great. And the coaches love him because he's done everything they've asked. That's what you're looking for, guys who have versatility, guys who could give you a little bit more. Milt Williams, what a story he's been. Remember, the guy that the front office won, well, the GM won, is Lee McNeil, and the guy that got is Milt Williams, and I would argue he's been just as good. Uh, the team's got to get down to the 80-man limit by 4 o'clock tomorrow. Right. And um, do you anticipate any surprises in this next group? Absolutely none. Uh, in fact, I could, I'm not going to – I don't want to cut these guys for their cut, but – no, the, the 80 is easy. It becomes really hard for when we go, guys. Next Tuesday, the 30th, okay. at 4 p.m. Eastern, you got to go from 80 to 53. It, we were saying this on the show this morning. This is the toughest. This is our fifth year doing Inside the Birds. It's going to be difficult because Reed Blackenship has been a good story. Ugo Amadi, they just traded for. They want to see him. The, so Marvin Wilson, you, you really can't keep 60 tackles, but... He's kind of flashed. I mentioned Noah Togia. He, he's flashed. Uh, Deion Kane's been a great story. They like to keep him. Osika, uh, the, the backup guard tackle from Buffalo, is an attractive free agent starting to develop. And Jason Hulley has been a guy that they've taken a really hard look at because of the injuries to Gainwell, Scott, and Sanders. He's coming. I don't think he'll make it, but they want to take a look at him. So th- this is the tough thing, guys. It, it shows you last year we thought the roster was poor, really below you know, below the line, and I, I think that kind of showed that they, they were 9-8. and eight. This year, the roster is so much better. 
I mean, again, we've been talking about this now for three months. This is not something recent. And it's actually been better than we thought. I'm kind of surprised. It's, yeah. it's been a, like this is we, we can't. It, it, we sort of had fun last year making fun of, of what the roster looked like. This is a, you know not good enough, and boy, they really missed on this. Well, they, they haven't. These guys have all shown up. Well, it's funny, Adam. You know, it, it felt like coming off the season before that this team was in in dire straits, really far off the roster, right? And here we are, two years later, one year removed from that long season that they had in twenty twenty, where we're looking at a team that has completely and quickly revamped this roster. Yeah, it's really been a great thing. Uh, AJ Brown trade, obviously, so far looks great. Quez Watkins, another guy who's developed. We, we should mention that. The, the, uh, Landon Dickerson's take this game. He's not rehabbing anything. That's important. And the guy that I didn't mention really much of and is Sua Petta, who's, I don't want to say came out of nowhere. This is his, uh, actually his fourth season. He was an undrafted free agent in 2019. Yeah. He's been a good story, Mike. So, look, this is, you got to be proud of this thing. And the last thing I'll leave you with is, I, I mentioned this on our show last week, and I got, a, I got a good chuckle out of it. People were making fun of me, but I'm going to mention it again. This is the first time in years your Eagle fans won't be embarrassed by the linebacker crew. You'll actually be proud of it. It's actually very talented. Very deep. Yes, I, I would concur with Adam Kaplan on that. Inside the Birds podcast, it dropped this morning, so you can get more in-depth on the Eagles preseason game number two against the Browns. We'll take a look at the joint practices in Miami this week, and then, of course, the Eagles play the Dolphins in the final preseason tune-up before the start of the regular season. Football at four is on it all week here on the Sports Bash. Adam, appreciate it, pal. All right, guys, thank you. All right, care, uh, Jeff Mosher's in tomorrow, usually Mosher on Monday. Adam and Jeff have flip-flopped, and those two are heading to Miami mm, for the very, joint practices. Very good. Everybody's going to Miami. Look, McMullen's going to Miami, Mosher, Kaplan, they're all going to Miami. You want to go to Miami in February, not necessarily hot. August. hot down there. All right, Sports Bash, Phillies lineup's out. I got that. Uh, Tom Rapici out there. You're a qualifier, Tom. Tom if you're out there, 609-573-3776. Tom, if you're out there, you have qualified for that Eagles road Oh, yeah, see the Commanders. Yep. We're going to be at Garden State Brewery I'm on Friday, PT. Oh, yeah. Good time. Two live shows, one week. MGPT out on location. Can't get enough of it. Philly's lineup, a little something like this. Schwarber leading off DH. Hoskins in the second hole. Boehm, Real Muto, Castellanos, Stott Segura, Nick Baton. I had Mets fans asking me the other night, who's this guy? And then Zimmer. You know who Zimmer is, right? Yep. He's your only hope in center field. They pulled him in when the uh, the bearded wonder, Brandon Marsh, got hurt. Uh, we do have news, by the way, on Bryce Harper. Oh, yeah. He is going to AAA tomorrow. He will play every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He's going to take Sunday off. And he could return on Monday in Arizona. That's earlier than expected. I like it. All right, when we come back, I got another qualifying name for you. Uh, Tom Rapici is our latest qualifier. More Sports Bash on the way here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, back to the Sports ESPN. Go for it all at NOLA's Bar and Lounge in Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live music every Friday and Saturday featuring cover bands. It's just 3 a.m. 3 a, you ever see 3 a.m. Tokyo? 3 a.m. Tokyo. I have not seen 3 a.m. Tokyo. 
got to go see but that. But I didn't see Nola when we walked by it. 11-11, uh, go-go gadget, Christian and the noise, split decision. Go for the cheers, especially cocktails and draft beer all night long. Nola's Bar and Lounge in Ocean Casino was a must-see Atlantic City nightlife destination. That's where I went for my birthday. Nola? Well, yeah. That was back in January. That's right. Right, because our birthdays are fairly close to each other. Yep. I'm the 16th, you're the 24th. We were at Villain and right? Saints. Did I get your birthday right? Yes. <laughs> I'm impressed with Villain and Saints, and then we went over to Nola. Ooh, you love that. Not Aaron Nola. Right, right. Not hard to believe, Aaron. <laughs> that was Syndergaard tonight. Uh, Josh has today's headlines. How you doing, guys? We're doing well, Josh. How are you on a Monday? I'm doing well. I have to start with what I think is the most hilarious story I stumbled across in the last uh, 36 hours. Now, as people know, what's hilarious to me might not be hilarious to Mike Gill. So we'll let Pete Thompson be the arbiter of the news. I'm the buffer. Sounds good. 51 college offensive linemen nationwide have signed NIL deals now with Hooters. Hooters announced this morning that they have signed groups of offensive linemen so no one would feel left out. They have signed all the offensive linemen from Auburn, LSU, Oklahoma, Miami, Georgia Tech, Missouri, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Florida Atlantic, and USF. Um, So what, the restaurant is paying the kids? Yes, they will be paying them to be involved in Hooters-driven social media and television marketing campaigns. You know, this is all interesting that, like, Hooters has the opportunity to go get, like, professional players, right? Right. Why haven't they done that over the years? I know Hooters signed uh, John Daly and John Daly's son to a deal. Like yes, the they golfer, did. John mm-hmm. Daly, they, you know, and they were all Hootered out, if yep. you will. Offensive linemen make sense. I mean, those are the guys. Look, like if you're going to pitch yourself as the place to get a pitcher of beer and some wings, yeah. you know, plus look at some beautiful gals, then that that's a offensive lineman's dream. How many can you eat, you know? Makes sense. I mean, you get a bunch of offensive linemen sitting around a pile of wings. According to Hooters, they strategically picked these schools based on their retail locations. Around I would the imagine they've done some market research on, you know. They claim, according to Hooters, that the whole idea is that these players will be also be making appearances at the local Hooters near their colleges. We didn't have one in Morgantown. No, we didn't have one in, at, we certainly didn't have one at Temple when I went to Temple, but I wasn't. Watching college football. I didn't watch college football the way, you know, intensely until I got to Nebraska. Gotcha. When I was in Nebraska, and they had a Hooters there. Now, did you guys see this story over the weekend? Josh, I would assume, saw it more than Pete. Okay. <laughs> I have the audio up at uh, the text board. So Dana White was on the Gronk cast. Uh, I've seen this. The other night, this right? Is, this is the one where he's Josh is like, revealing. Uh, right. Yeah. So he's not happy with this, apparently. But the Gronk cast... Is basically a Omaha Productions, mm-hmm. and Dave it's Manning. the Grog brothers. They're all sitting there watching UFC uh, fight on on um, Saturday night. Okay, Dana White was on as the guest, right? And he goes on to reveal that he actually had the deal all lined up 
for Brady and Gronk to go play for the Raiders. He had everything lined up. Everything was ready. In fact, Brady was looking for a house. He was all ready to go. In fact, he thought he was going to be a Raider. I got the audio right. Gruden at the last minute. Okay. Nixed the whole thing. Here's the conversation from the Gronk cast. Gave him a recruiting pitch on why he should join the Vegas Raiders. What went wrong with that recruiting pitch that you gave him? <laughs> Do I really tell this story right now? Do you want me to tell this story? Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. Can, you, can give a, you can give a brief story. You don't got to go too much in details because you never know. I, I could have been in Vegas with you for the last three years, man. What the heck? <laughs> no, it's still there. You're you would have been. You would have been. So I would have been. I, I'm the one. I, I I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders, and it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want it. And whoa, all whoa. hell broke loose, man. It, it was crazy and. And, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. And I, I, I was never going to tell that story until Gronk <laughs> just said it. But, uh, and, yeah. and Dana, that is exactly what happened, and you just told the story. <laughs> And Gronk says, and that is exactly what happened. Yeah, he's confirming it. I mean, my God, Gruden, what the What are you thinking? They could have won the Super Bowl with those guys. Maybe. Maybe. Right? You never know. I just, listen, I like Dana a lot. I have trouble believing he was, like, the main arbiter of the deal. Like, there's got to be way more to that story. Gronk seemed to back it up. Gronk's also the guy on the same broadcast who said that he would basically beat almost all of his teammates in MMA fights because he would, quote, take them down. And then later said, I've been overserved. <laughs> That's funny. That sounds like a PT line. I've been overserved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's one point in the broadcast. I saw the video. I, I can't find it right now. But basically the, the quote that Gronk had was that, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Basically that, you know, Julian, it was Julian Edelman, Mike Evans... And Tom Brady, he would beat them all in an MMA fight. He couldn't beat Aaron Donald in an MMA fight, though. But everyone else, he would, quote, just take them down. And then would later explain that he had been overserved. Yeah. Sounds like a that, In excuse. that instance of being overserved would make sense. I don't know that he was overserved <laughs> on that broadcast tonight. Or, right. or, or maybe he was. I don't know. Apparently, they were supposedly drinking all night. Listen to Michael Eves doing an interview on ESPN Radio. And he basically explained he was like, "This is ridiculous." Like he was. Well, is he, that was that a one-time thing, or is that going to be for all the UFC fights now? They haven't announced it for all the fights, but they were doing it specifically for that fight. I think it was like a test run to see people's interest because it was on a UFC pay-per-view card that didn't have a lot of juice to it. Well, if that was a test run, they got what they wanted, which is headlines from outside the UFC and the normal the normal group. I mean, by they the way, they got a, a lot huge of upset. Right, uh, and not want to say a huge upset, but uh, oh, Usman was going to. I, I say it was definitely an upset. I don't know if it was a huge upset, but Usman was going to win that fight. 
the problem, he got caught. Yeah, he got caught. He did, but the problem was that Usman also took his foot off the gas. You know, it kind of felt like he was in cruise control in the fifth round, and yeah. Edwards caught him with that kick. It's one of those deals where I think if Usman fights his fight, he wins there, but I think he was too interested in just going and hanging out for the win instead of, you know, exerting his authority over Edwards. Now, did you guys see, I saw this, I texted it to the text board as well. There was, I don't know what league this is, but they're challenging ball and strike calls. So the pitcher threw a pitch, the umpire called it a ball, they challenged it, and he was immediately told that he got it wrong. And wow. they changed the call from a ball to a strike. Do you know what league that was? Uh, I see your message on the text board. I'm looking it up right now here. So. I don't know if it was like a AAA or if it was like an independent league thing, but basically they challenged it. The umpire hit the top of his head, and I guess they told him real quick, you know, you got it wrong. Pretty crazy. It says the one team is Syracuse. This looks like maybe like double the A. The game was on TV the other night. It was on either MLB it's Network. MLB Network s- set up here. Right. So, Did anybody of you guys watch the Savannah Bananas the other night? No, but I heard uh, who was the veteran pitcher? Somebody was with the Bananas. He had yeah, Bill the Space Yeah, Bill Space Van Lee's heart stopped or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he collapsed, right? but he was revival. okay. Yeah. Thank God. But uh, my girlfriend now says she wants to go to a Savannah Bananas game. I heard it's the most fun in baseball. Right. But yeah. uh, the game, the Syracuse baseball game, so the Syracuse, I think they were a, tr- they were, they were a minor league. They used to be a minor league for the, the Mets. I don't know if they still are, but uh, the game was on TV, and they challenged the strike calls. I said, this is unbelievable. Yeah, that's I did, that's craziness. I didn't know that that was happening. Now, I mean, did you I guys see there. today? I know neither one of you are big Little League World Series uh, watchers. Nope. Right. So I know the grandma that came up to ask us about a little. <laughs> well, when we first got here, despite so the fact that we were already on the air. It was Iowa against Washington. Okay. And I guess the kid threw a pitch. He thought it was a strike. The umpire called it a ball. And the kid basically is kind of having a meltdown on the mound. And the coach comes out to talk to him. And they have a hot mic, and the kid is on the mic saying, this is all for ESPN. They want the game to be close. That's why the umpire's screwing me. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's some good audio right there. Wow. I, I, you know, what's your guys' take on these robo-umps? I still think you, you need a human being out there to to call, like, safe out at the plate, right? You know, place the plate. Well, the umpire would still be there. Yeah, but, I mean, is it? You think this is going to happen? Yeah. You think it's happening. Josh, you feel that way too? 100%? It, autom- the automatic ball you, strike? Well, I mean, the the premise of it is that the – have you not seen this? Yes, I've seen the premise of it. Yes. Why Why do you feel like you have to take me back to third grade? Well, you're asking what would the umpire be doing? No, I didn't – I didn't say what would the umpire be doing. I'd say that the umpire would still have to be out there. Yeah. There, there's people – the Mets fans that I went to the game with the other day were more behind on this automatic ball strike, you know, and the robo-ups and the concept of that. So yeah, I the umpire would stand there, and there would basically be somebody with a walkie-talkie who would just tell him in his ear whether the call was a strike or a ball based on what the computer said. Right. And the, then he would just make the call. The point is, though, that there's still going to be flaw. Even a robo-system can still have flaws. My biggest thing, and I've said this, is when you watch the game, the size of the strike zone doesn't adjust. The box that's on the TV, mm-hmm. it doesn't adjust based right. on the player. So, like Alec Bohm is six foot five. Well, 
Stubbs, Garrett Stubbs, is 5'10". Right. You can't have the same overlay box, but they do. The TV doesn't change the size of the box. Right. Correct. So I don't know that that would change if you had the robo-wumps. That would be my biggest issue. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's right. We talked about Eddie Goodell last week, the three-foot batter that uh, Bill Beck <laughs> and set the, up. And the, the, the overlay strike zone on the, on the, the TV box would, would be taller than him. him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what else you got? I got to, I purposely saved this one for Pete Thompson. Ooh, I like okay? that. Thanks, John. But it also has to do with Mike Gill's side uh, fascination of live golf. Oh, okay. So apparently part of the Tiger Woods player meeting last week was Tiger pitching something that him and Rory have been working on, and they believe it's something that will destroy live golf. According to Golf Week, the idea is that the PGA Tour starting in 2024 is going to have a stadium series where live audiences would come to stadiums where they would be playing golf from the months of January through March. Now, the details are not 100%, but apparently part of Woods' pitch during this players-only meeting is that this would be a technology-forward event that would ensconce the fans into a golf event and competition. This is something that McElroy and Woods have been working on. They want to take the idea of what they do on TNT with the Turner broadcast, but put it with fans in a stadium. Apparently part of the other pitch during this players-only meeting was the players will have more equity between the corporate partners and them as a way of getting them more money. And that according to, what is this outlet again? Uh, Golf Week. Jay Monahan is supposed to be announcing in the next week or two modifications to the players' pay structure. Well, that, and the money has been the big reason that so many people are fleeing to live golf. Uh, the fact that they want to try to do something uh, more interactive, that the like the TNT things and stuff, I, I'm, I'm all for that, too. I mean, I, I think that, like, the core golf fans, like myself, will watch. I watched a decent amount of the BMW Championship over the weekend, including the fact that I had to wait for the Eagles game to get done to then watch the BMW Championship. So I watched that, Josh, but... I understand that they want to try to grow the game and bring more people in and and boost the money up. So, you know, it it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to make these changes, increase purse sizes. Um, I'm just not sure that that's going to be enough to keep the defection from continuing to happen. Yeah, like um, if Tiger Woods comes up with this idea, though, are people going to follow him? Well, Well, I was going to say if Tiger's going to be there, you know, the other guys are going to follow along, right? Not the ones that went to live golf. Right. There's a lot of them that are already gone. Yeah. And and the other thing, and Gil asked this last week, Josh, how much weight does Tiger still carry in the in the room? Like, you know, are the younger guys, like, think, look at a guy like Cameron Smith, who won the Open over at St. Andrews. Uh, Cameron Smith doesn't feel like his he's beholden to Tiger Woods. Tiger was before his time. And Cameron Smith reportedly is leaving for live. All right, uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I'm going to get another qualifier right now, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. Caller 7, you're going to be a qualifier for the Eagles road trip. Caller 7, 609-573-3776. Caller 7, you qualify for an Eagles road trip to Washington's FedEx Field. Eagles, Commanders, September 25th. All our qualifiers will be present on Friday, this Friday, 
at Garden State Brewery on the Whitehorse Pike in Galloway. So, if you are caller number seven, Josh will give you all the details, but you are a part of the party. Happy hour Friday right here on the Sports Bash. Today, we're live at Ocean Casino where Ovation Hall every Saturday You've got something happening, PT. You've got Vinny Favorito at HQ Nightclub. You've got every Sunday the magical mystery doors with the Beatles, Zeppelin, and Doors Ooh, tribute. I like that. I'm into that. That's every Sunday now, uh, between now and, and uh, September the 4th. Uh, 827, that's the 27th. It's uh, Sinatra, an evening of laughter. 9-3, Jeff uh, Dunham. A nine nine, Diana, Diana Ross, excuse me. Nine ten, <laughs> stained. Uh, the sixteenth, three eleven. The twenty first, ZZ Top. The fourth of November, bare naked ladies. The twelfth of November, my big gay Italian funeral by Anthony Wilkinson, and the twenty sixth, Flo Rida. To purchase tickets to one of those events, visit OceanAC.com. All right, we come back. 5 o'clock hour, Bob Wankel's going to talk some fills with us. Their lineup's out. We get all the updates on Bryce Harper, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Mm-hmm. All that coming up on the Sports Bash. Now, back to more Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, we're taking you to the six tonight, PT. We're live here at the Ocean Casino Resort inside the Sportsbook. They call it the gallery, bar book and games. We've got a, I feel like every Monday, we got a great crowd. People, now they got the bar here. They moved the bar. If you were at the old Sportsbook, the bar used to be right when you walked in. Now it's the center of attention. They got the whole bar is now in the center of the Sportsbook, where before, you walk down the middle of the sports book there, and they had some high-top tables. Now they just got a whole bar. Right, which it's in the center of the sports book. It's the central location. It's in the round. If you think about, like, a concert, you know, uh, there's there's no bad seat in here. And they brought table games into the sports book area. So should you want to play some blackjack, yeah. should you like to maybe take your chance on some roulette, you can do all that right here at the gallery. Now, PT, during the break, I had to use the men's room. Okay. Did you use the big one or the small one? I just had to go quickly. So that's but the, I couldn't right. go as quickly as I wanted because somebody was in there having a full blown conversation. People have no etiquette. Is anymore. that out of is that yeah, out that's of line? Out, that's out of bounds. To that's be sitting on the toilet, having a full cell phone conversation, I can literally recite everything this guy was talking about. Did it about. cause you to have stage fright? Is that's what? Is no, that what I just the line was long because you knew that guy wasn't like. They only have two in this one bathroom. Right, right. Yeah, sometimes you got to go to the bigger ones. Yeah, it's a little further ones. away, though. Yeah, that's true. But I, would you say that that's fair or unfair? Like, hey, you know, you go to the bathroom, you have a conversation, somebody calls. Is it okay to answer that phone? I mean, full disclosure, my brother called me today when I was in It's one thing if you're at your house. I was at my house. He said, 
what are you doing? Do you have time to talk? And because it was my brother, I said, well, actually, I'm on the throne, so I'm a captive audience. I got all the time in the world. It's one thing if you're at your house. You're out at in a public spot. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. I, mean, I, I don't understand. It's almost like people forget there's other people in the world now, you know? The, the lack of etiquette and the lack of... Uh, so you're not okay with it? No, I'm not okay with it. Because there was nor, another, nor would I be the guy doing that. There was I, another gentleman in call. there waiting with. We were both like waiting in line. And did you both kind of look at? Well, each I other looked at like, him and I was like, "Is this guy for real?" And he's like, "I don't know." Yeah, this is happening. You know, like happening. I was on the same page as that guy at least. Right. Well, like he looked yeah. at me, I looked at him. This guy's blabbering away on the phone, like, you know. I, I don't like it when anybody has a conversation loud enough that like you're almost embarrassed to be. Like, yeah. I, I shouldn't be a part of this. You know, why am I hearing all this? Right. But people just don't have that uh, sense of awareness. Now, this guy with the Mets t-shirt, was he the guy who threw the first pitch out? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, no, I don't think so. That was not That was not him. No. But he's not the seven line. No. <laughs> people were asking today. Uh, I'm glad you brought that information to the table, though, the fact that it was because that if you buy fifteen hundred, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that, that they bought a lot of tickets. That guy is right. the head of like some, like Philly sports trips. Right. He's like the guy who runs the Mets trips. Right. And I guess because he bought so many tickets, I think the Phillies kind of did him a solid. Yeah, but it's a little weird. Like, first of all, why would you want to throw a pitch out in another stadium? Like, yeah, I, I don't understand. I don't get that. Why that was the hey? Thanks for buying all these tickets. I happen to see this is a total pivot here, but I happen to see that Sean Payton made his debut over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had it muted. I didn't, but it, it doesn't sound like he said anything that was earth breaking or anything that was. Well, yeah. How about the story? Josh talked about it during headlines last week. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Akeem Tlaib. Yeah. That whole story. He has now pulled himself off the Amazon broadcast. Yeah, that's a shame. Sounds yeah. like he's involved with what happened with his That brother. whole story's crazy. Hey, we're live at uh, Ocean Gallery uh, Mondays. I want everybody out there, if you're like, man, I want to go to check this place out. I want to see what it's like. Eagles play Monday night, week two. And I'd like to have some listeners come on out, watch the game here at the Gallery Bar Book. Maybe we can uh, do something fun, do something cool for that. Hey, uh, congratulations to our latest qualifiers. If you uh, want to qualify, go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Ryan, Stan, and Mark are our latest qualifiers. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Ocean Casino Resort's winning team. Ocean's now hiring for summer and year-round positions, offering competitive rates and cash referral opportunities. Visit theoceanac.com slash careers. Today, we're live at the gallery, bar, book, and games at Ocean Casino. Every Monday during the football season. But we got to take a look at the baseball team and what happened this weekend. Now, I guess the question for Bob Wankel to come out of the gates here would be, was that a disappointing weekend? Was it a defining weekend? Like, did we learn something? Did you take something from three out of four from the Mets that we can kind of, you know, take forward with us the rest of the of the summer here? Yeah, I mean, I guess if there's two things that you can take out of that series, one, not to be Captain Obvious, but the Mets are better than the Phillies. Uh, I think we already knew that, though. 
And I think that the other thing that became a reality over the weekend is that the injuries are piling up for the Phillies. I mean, you you saw yesterday going to David Robertson, who is a, a fine pitcher, and I think will continue to do a good job for the Phillies down the stretch here. But having to go to him back to back games uh, after throwing multiple innings on Saturday night, it, it did not work out. And uh, you know, you still have to execute pitches. Not an excuse. But fact of the matter is they're light now in the back of that bullpen. So an area that was a strength at the trade deadline has now been weakened significantly. And uh, it's just a situation where they, they just played a little bit sloppy. And uh, it was a disappointing series. I don't think that it says anything about the Phillies' inability to make the postseason. But I do understand that if you're a Phillies fan this morning or this afternoon, I guess I should say, and you're like, see, it's the same old team, I, I get why you feel that way because that was a brutal loss yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you went into the the series thinking – hey, are we a World Series contender? You probably left saying no because we can't beat the Mets. Uh, but if you went in thinking you're a World Series contender, you're probably, your your expectations were probably a little too high, right? Yeah, I don't think that the Phillies are a World Series contender. I think that they're a playoff contender. And I think that if you are truly optimistic about this team and you talk about the, the top three starters and Wheeler and Nola and, and I guess Ranger Suarez at this point and you know, Bryce Harper comes back and he plays well down the stretch. I still think that the ceiling for this team is is maybe a playoff series. Um, and, and so I think that's just where they're at. I don't think that anybody coming into the season had this as a World Series contender, to be honest with you. And I don't want to lower the bar or let them off the hook. It's been a long time. They've spent a lot of money. They should be a playoff team. But they are not on the level of the New York Mets, and they're not on the level of the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. They're just not. Uh, Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad covers the Phillies. So what's the gap? What is the gap between Philadelphia? I mean, somebody mentioned, ah, oh, they just can't beat good teams. And you look over and say, well, they have beat good teams. They're 24-18 and 18 against National League playoff teams. Uh, Atlanta, San Diego, the Dodgers, Milwaukee, St. Louis. So they have beaten good teams. So what's the gap between them and the Mets, really, because they've beaten the Dodgers, too. Yeah, I mean, you can win a season series against a team, especially if you play them seven times or six times. I don't know that necessarily means you're better than them. But when you look at the Phillies and you look at the Mets, I think that there's a, a few glaring differences between the two teams. One, the starting pitching, as good as it's been for the Phillies, and I can roll out a bunch of stats that show that the Phillies have one of the top ten starting rotations in baseball, and they do. But just because you have a good starting rotation doesn't mean that you have an elite one. When you look at the New York Mets, not only do they have depth, and they, you know, you have guys like Bassett that are giving you quality innings, but you have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. And as much as I love Zach Wheeler, and I think that Aaron Knoll is a really good pitcher, those guys are not on the same level. And so you, you're talking about two guys that are virtually impossible to get to, and Wheeler and Nola are very good. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from them, but... I'm sorry, like the, the, the upside of the Mets starting rotation is, is significantly greater. And then I think that the other thing you saw play out over the weekend, if you watched all four of those games, you were probably extra frustrated by what the Mets did in that how many blue pits did they have? Opposite field, flares out to right, dink and dunk. Well, what the Mets did was they put the ball in play. I mean, they put the ball in play. And the Phillies don't put the ball in play as much. They are more equipped to live and, and die by the, the long ball. And that hasn't been there for them. So that, to me, are the, the, the those are the two biggest things with this team. And, you know, honestly, Edwin Diaz has been sensational this year. And as good as Sir Anthony Dominguez has been, the Phillies have not had a consistently 
outstanding closer throughout the duration of this year. Bob Wanko with us from Crossing Broad. We're talking a little Phillies baseball. I was there Saturday night, Bob, and, uh, you know, Gil was right. He predicted this, by the way. I was complaining because we were going to get Bailey Falter Saturday night, and Bailey Falter was the one guy that did step up to the plate. You're talking about, like, the Mets putting the ball in play and situational hitting. Uh, we did the left on base. We added those numbers up, 9, 8, 11, and 9. That's 36 men left on base throughout the series. And then we looked at runners in scoring position, 2 for 7, 1 for 5, 4 for 17 on that Saturday night game that they won and then four for 13 that's 11 for 42 that's not going to get it done my, my question to you is this if you're a phillies fan are you more concerned about the oddity of aaron nola and zach wheeler a combined 0 for 7 against the mets and all the times they faced them this season or are you more concerned about Corey canables now done for the season and sir anthony dominguez has tricep issues yeah, I mean, listen, Sir Anthony Dominguez can come back in 12 days. And if he does, I would say I'm not overly concerned about it. You know, Corey Knable sort of gained his footing and did a nice job for them, uh, you know, over the last month and a half or so. But he's not a viable late-inning guy. I mean, I think that that's sort of played out that way. They didn't exactly use him in the most important spots. So if you get Sir Anthony Dominguez back and he's effective, I'm not overly worried with him and Robertson in the back of that bullpen. But if he's out for a prolonged period of time, I think you have a big, big issue in the back end of that bullpen all of a sudden. Uh, so that's where my, my anxiety would be. Now, if, if I look at the Phillies overall right now, I think it's quite simple. They got a great month of July from Alec Boom. They've gotten outstanding performances in places where they did not expect it. Uh, obviously, you expect Kyle Schwarber to produce from a power standpoint, but I don't think anybody saw the June that he had coming, some of the power production that he even put after the month of June up. You know, they've had guys step up and, and get big hits. Derek Hall has given them some some punch at different points, right? But it all comes back to now, they did everything they could do to stay afloat, to get Bryce Harper back here in September and be in the playoff hunt. It's going to come down to their most expensive guys doing the job when it matters most. The AT Real Muto's got to produce in September. Uh, Nick Castellanos has to figure it out in September. Bryce Harper has to come back and play at a quasi-MVP level in September. And then Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler have to pitch better in these big games. And if they do that, then the Phillies have enough juice to barely make a little noise in the postseason. But all these Alec Booms and, and you know, Derek Halls and all these guys, it's great. It's a great story. But, like, they're not carrying you anymore. They've got you to this point. Now the big boys have to come in and finish the job. And you bring up the Bryce Harper's name. I guess he's going to go to AAA Lehigh Valley tomorrow. I have a friend of mine that works in the Phillies ticket office. But if you're working in that AAA Lehigh Valley ticket office, today is your uh, tsunami. Today is your, oh, my God, because now Bryce Harper's going to be there Tuesday through Saturday, take Sunday off, and reportedly be back with the Phillies next Monday. Yeah, you don't have to uh, worry if you're in the uh, Lehigh Valley ticket office uh, about any uh, weird minor league gimmicks. You can just you can roll them out there and play, and people are going to be showing up for those games. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, they get him back next Monday, and and he is anything like he was last season or what he was before he was hurt this season. I think the Phillies are okay. They still have a very soft schedule here. I know people don't want to hear about the schedule. Throughout is they have taken care of business against inferior opponents this season, something they did not do last year. And they have an opportunity here to, to really kind of regain their footing and, and make a run. And I, I think that they are a playoff team. I've, I've maintained that now for, for quite some time. And I don't think that this weekend really, you know, deters that, that sentiment, at least on my end. 
just to put a cherry on top of that Sunday, I did see that their next 19 games are against teams with losing records. The next time they play an opponent that has a winning record is September 16th. I mean, yeah. we'll be well into the NFL season by the time they actually face somebody with a winning record. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it starts this week. Uh, you know, you have to, I think, go out and, and win this series. You know, you talk about four-game series, are you going to sweep it? Probably not. This is an opportunity to win a series. You know, you have a good weekend here coming up, and, and I think all of a sudden you start to look at it. They creep back to 14, 15 games over 500. They're holding a game or two in the playoff race, and and you kind of go, okay, like they don't they don't beat the Mets, but they're still in a pretty good spot here. Bob Wankel crossing broad fills in uh, Reds tonight, by the way. You've got uh, another series with the Reds, and you got the Pirates coming up. Like Pete mentioned, you got a lot mm-hmm. of softies in there. But like people said, eh, I just can't buy into this team because I can't beat any of these other teams. But, you know, this past weekend, the first two games, all right, you got the NOLA game and the Wheeler game, Bob. What was disappointing about what you saw from those two with those two guys pitching? Was it something that they did when, you know, they had guys on base seemingly the entire weekend, it felt like. Yeah. Uh, you know, Friday night uh, for me with Aaron Nola just just didn't look like he had it, I guess, and, and just kind of looked like he was feeling his way through. And, you know, considering how well he threw the previous week, like, I don't really have any, like, I don't have a hot take for you on Aaron Nola. Like, I think he's done a nice job this year. He threw the ball extraordinarily well last weekend. He did not have his best start on Friday night. I don't, you know, you you want more out of him in that spot. But I will tell you on Saturday with Zach Wheeler, a week after he didn't have a great start on that Sunday game up in New York, to come back and sort of struggle the way that he did on Saturday afternoon, I was a little bit disappointed in that. I know that he had a lot of soft contact and he kind of got dinked and dunked a little bit, but he also set himself up for some bad spots by walking leadoff hitters, falling behind guys. Like he was not particularly sharp and I expected a little bit more out of him uh, in that game on Saturday. Now they obviously had a chance to take the lead early on (laughs) horrible base running play. Uh, You know, I mean, just, just, they just did not play well. They looked like a team that really wasn't ready for the moment this weekend. And it was not a great weekend for the team. And I didn't think it was a great weekend for the fans, to be perfectly honest with you. No, we've talked about attendance and Phillies fans buying in and all that. But, you know, that, that scene out there with the Mets fans basically taking over this weekend was, was pretty weird to watch. Yeah. Now, I know you guys at Crossing Broad are good at uncovering some of these things. Was there any theory as to why they had the Met fan throw out the first pitch? Yeah, I mean, the theory goes that they bought a lot of tickets, and if you buy enough tickets, you're, uh, you are you have the right to throw out the first pitch. I mean, who um, thought that was a good idea? Yeah, and I don't mind having the guy go out there and do it, and you can even introduce him as part of whatever their you know cheering section's called. Is it called, like, the seven line or something like that? That's fine. But to go out there in, like, a Mets jersey, like, uh, it doesn't work. You can't have that. It was just a really, really weird look. I'm not oh. sure. I'm not sure what they were thinking there. A, re- a weird situation, yeah, and, and you know, you, you mentioned Harper. He's going to go uh, do his uh, rehab this week, and and you know, he might be back by the weekend. But I, I would imagine a lot of this season right now could hinge on what happens with Dominguez. I mean, because he was asked about his arm, and he kind of admitted he was concerned. He said, "Yeah, it's my arm." The guy's had all sorts of arm problems. He hasn't made it through a season in like three years, and really, this season could hinge on whether Dominguez can come back and help you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. If if he is out and they have to try to mix and match 
the seventh and eighth inning with guys like Brad Hand and now all of a sudden Jose Alvarado might be throwing the eighth inning for you as your primary setup guy on a consistent basis. That's that's going to be tough. Connor Brogdon had a really tough appearance yesterday. He's a guy that I've always historically you know been reasonably confident in. But it's just not the same. The ability to go Robertson Dominguez in the back yeah. of that bull mix and match prior to the eighth inning is is a strength. And one of your supposed strengths becomes a weakness. A guy like Sir Anthony Dominguez isn't right. And I understand why he's a, you know concerned. You consider the injury history. You consider some guys just they feel it. You looked at him on Wednesday against the Reds in that ninth inning. He couldn't locate. That was very uncharacteristic of him. I understand why there's concern there. So you really have yeah. to hold your breath. A hundred percent. And you look back at the weekend and you say, why was this, uh, why did this series go one, the way that it went? I mean, yeah, Friday and Saturday night, they just beat you 8 2, 7 2. Uh, but when you have a shot to win both those games, and they won the game on Saturday, but the game on Sunday, they could have split the series. And I think we would have felt differently. But the recipe has been Robertson Dominguez. You were starting to get that the last couple of weeks and not having that, you you saw the difference, and the depth in that bullpen is now starting to be concerning. If you don't have that the next two weeks, that could be a problem because even though you're playing bad teams, you still need to close games out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, for the first two months of the season, talking about one of the five, six worst bullpens in all of baseball, Rob Thompson takes over. June 1st is a nice clean date where you can kind of take a deep breath, start new. And from that like 75-day stretch from June 1st through about a week ago in the middle of August, this was one of the five best bullpens in all of baseball by almost every statistical measure. And they added at the deadline, and they got depth, and they made that unit even stronger. Uh, it's, it's, it's significantly diminished if you have yeah. a guy that's almost an automatic three outs removed from the equation. Bob, I know Mike and I talked earlier about the fact, too, that in yesterday's game, at least, bullpen-wise, first of all, kudos to Robertson for taking the ball. I mean, they really didn't have a lot of choices out there. In fact, the uh, AAA guy that uh, came in after him gave up a tater, and he's already uh, since been uh, sent back down. So You got DFA'd. Uh, yeah, you, you didn't have a lot of options out there, and Robertson tried to come in and gut it out after he had to go two innings the night before. Uh, but uh, a guy like... Uh, you know, there's a name out there like Sam Coonrod might be able to come back and help them out as apparently his health issues have resolved themselves. Gil and I talked earlier about the fact that Alvarado was in that game too early. I mean, that's another part of the issue that we tend to overlook. When you can't get Kyle Gibson to go past four and a third, you got a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's tough for Major League Baseball teams to win, even if they get out to a, a 3 nothing lead, if your starter can't give you five innings. It's it's tough, and it's tough right now when the Phillies are in this state of flux with the bullpen to win a game under those circumstances. And you're, I agree with you. Uh, I thought Jose Alvarado was in the game too early, but maybe not for the reason that, that you feel. And it's that they, they got him in there, and I actually think that he would have gone two innings in that game yesterday, uh, especially considering how how effective he was in that sixth inning. And then the rain obviously happens, mm-hmm, and yeah. I think that that may have altered the I mean, it definitely altered the plan. So if he goes two innings there, I think it's a totally different dynamic, and it's probably a different result. But the rain comes when it does, and you got what you got. Yeah. Do you, do you, don't have, do you have an issue with uh, Robertson going into that game? I don't. Listen, I mean, one of the things that we've been, you know, applauding Rob Thompson for over the last two months is about talking to his players and earning trust and and really creating a buy-in. And so you hear after the game yesterday that David Robertson calls down the ninth inning, says, we get the lead here, or in the eighth inning, if we get the lead here, I want the nine. Okay, you know, you've earned that right. You've been really good for us. I trust you. I'm going to give you the ball. And when you look at the alternative options, it makes that decision a lot easier. 
So when you talk about cultivating that that clubhouse buy-in and trust, this is how you do it. And it burned them yesterday, but no. Generally speaking, from a philosophical standpoint, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is something we've constantly been saying, you know, early in the year. Well, why didn't he use Knable three days in a row? Funny, think back to that. People were begging for him to use Corey Knable for a third day in a row. And uh, here we are, the guys asking. So I didn't have an issue with that either. We'll see. Look, uh, I I agree with you, Bob. I think you're just at a spot where, um, and and McGarry brought this up back at the 2 o'clock hour. He said, you know, in 2015, the Cubs dominated the Mets. Then they played him in the playoffs, and the Mets swept the Cubs. So yeah. just because a team has your number during these regular season games, there's a reason why these pitchers are who they are. Wheeler and Nola have not shown, though, that they can step up when the lights are bright and throw that gem, at least yet. Well, you know, if this were the NFL playoffs, we always say it's hard to beat the same team three times, right? So, I mean, it's hard to beat the same team, uh, you know, what did they go, 5-14? and 14? So it's it's hard to beat the same team 17 out of 22 times. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I said before, and, you know, Mike and I kind of agree on this, uh, McGarry, we were talking about, I'd rather go with uh, the taking on the Dodgers in the second round than having to get stuck facing that Mets pitching. And I don't know that the Mets are just a more complete team, but I don't want to face the pitching if I don't have to in that. So I'd almost rather take the Braves in the first round and then go to the Dodgers. Because a lot of people would say... And right now it would be Cardinals-Phillies. Right, the Cardinals are the weaker of the wild card teams. But if you beat the Cardinals, then you got to face the Mets, and I'm out on that. Yeah, and it's fun to have this conversation, but I just think that my advice for Phillies fans right now would be... Just get in. Yeah, that's what I said. Hey, listen, I'm not saying try to make it that way. At this point, just get in and see what happens. Yeah, Bob, I I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you saw this, Mike Gill, or not, but, uh, you know, I was at that second game of the day-night split doubleheader, and I saw a tweet on Saturday night that came out that said more than 76,000 people bought tickets to attend the Mets-Phillies games that Saturday. By the end of the weekend, it's 150,000-plus for four games. Yet another example of why it's so silly when people talk about baseball's supposed lack of popularity. Did you want to weigh in on that, Bob Wankel? Yeah, I mean, thank God for Mets fans or those numbers wouldn't have added up. I mean, I, I understand. I get it. They're having a, a magical season. It's easy to travel. It's it's a fun trip for them. But uh, those those numbers, I would hope and, and I would have. And this is where the big the big miss for the Phillies was this past weekend. You win that series or you play well in that series. And even if you split, they have a Gene Segura hits the home run yesterday and you win that game and you, you take the split. And you're feeling good about it. And they go out and they, they drop the hammer on the Reds this week. And they're 16, 17 games over 500. And I think that you really start to feel that swell sort of. You know, people start to buy in. And it just, they missed an opportunity to do that. They missed an opportunity to, to help that buy-in this weekend. You know, the, another thing, too, that we when we talked to Mike McGarry earlier in the show, hey, the Phillies have actually gotten to Diaz, like, twice now once at city field and once in philadelphia they didn't win either of those games but uh you know diaz looked human for a minute yeah i mean edwin diaz has has had moments with the mets that have been pretty ugly i mean he's been great this year but it's nice to just put a little doubt in case there is an october meeting there you want to plant that little seed of doubt and so when you don't win a game and you, you're disappointed like that, you're probably grasping at straws a little bit, but you, you might pocket that and say, all right, we can get this guy. He's not invincible. 
Well, uh, they won't see the Mets again. If they do, it's in the playoffs. And if you're there, you're probably thrilled to death. Uh, we'll see the Phillies and the co- uh, the uh, Reds. And then they, uh, of course, have the Pirates coming up. So a lot of chances to kind of uh, get back at it. By the way, did you think early in the series, like month, uh, the Friday-Saturday game, that some of these guys felt that the moment was too big? Did you have that feeling at all? Like Reese uh, Hoskins, you know, him and Bohm were really pressing early, I thought. Yeah, a little bit. I, I definitely do think that there was a little bit of a, hey, this is a different environment. The stakes feel a little bit bigger. You know, hopefully they, they kind of take it and learn from it. You know, the, a lot of these guys are going through these really high-pressure games where the eyes are, are a little bit more drawn in on them. The, 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 the expectations are a little bit greater. This is different than last year. I think that people do believe in this team a little bit more than they did a year ago. So I do think that there's a little bit of a growing pain there. Yeah. Uh, Bo, by the way, had a big day yesterday. I mean, he basically was the entire offense. But uh, the inconsistency, uh, that's one of the things, Bob, that we talked about Friday, of the difference between them and some of these, you know, the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves. Those teams are clutch. The Phillies get guys on base. They don't drive them home. They just don't seem to get the big hit. They got, you know, you know. Yeah, I, I do. I, I hear you. And, and that's been that way now for the last 10 days or so for this team. They've had a lot of big hits late in games. They've won a lot of games in dramatic fashion. They've shown a lot of resilience and toughness, but they've done it against weaker teams, too. Um, I know that Castellanos homered against the Braves down in Atlanta a couple weeks back. That was a big one. But there haven't been too many of those moments against the elite level teams. You know, we'll, we'll see here. You know, they're, they're going to get an opportunity down the stretch in the back end of September to play some pretty good teams in pretty important games. And we'll, we'll see if it's a little different this time. By the way, 6-6 six and six against Atlanta this year they are. All right, Bob Wankel crossing broad, Phillies and Reds. Uh, they tangle tonight, and uh, we'll have more later on this week on the Phils. All right, Bob, appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks, guys. Talk soon. Yeah, man, uh, Bob Wankel crossing broad covers the Phillies. Always a great conversation with him. And uh, I know the Phillies got the uh, lineup out tonight. Got a four-game set, PT, with the Reds. They four. do. I'm how many speed bumps? Four. That's speed how many bumps. games with the Reds? 43, 36, 39, and 35 in order for attendance of those four games. So it's not like he said. Thank God for the Well, he made games. it sound right. a little different than you. I was trying to spin it that they're still interested in baseball. He well, you, no, 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 no. You well, said earlier the show. 70, 30? Yeah, he made it seem like it was not a good weekend for the fans because they got really outshone by the Mets. Eh, I don't, I don't agree with that. Oh, we're, oh. we're allowed to have different. At least not at the Saturday night game. Look, how are the Mets fans going to get up at arms at the Saturday night game? They only had two hits most of the way. You brought three of them. Yeah, well, I got three more hats because of it. I got you a hat. The PT brought three Met fans to the game. Fair <laughs> or unfair? Fair yeah. or foul on that? Let, let's hear it. Let's get you. your best text message ripping the PT for bringing three Mets fans to the game. My reverse psychology worked perfectly. 609-403-0973. Uh, we got another qualifying name for you here for that trip to Washington to go see the Eagles and the Commanders. How about Ben Merlino? Benjamin Merlino, you are our latest qualifier, Ben. If you're out there, Ben Merlino, give us a buzz. 609-573-3776. And we will get you all signed up and ready to go for Friday's live show at Garden State Brewery. Can't wait. That place is fantastic. Been there a couple times. Right there on the White Horse Pike in Galloway. Stop out. It's a big place. You ever been there? I have been there. You and I played Seinfeld trivia there together. That's right. It was my birthday. And we won. Yes, we did. Yeah. I had a good time. More Sports Bash coming up. 
Now, back to the Sports Bash. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. ESPN. All right, more Sports Bash here until 6 tonight. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, going to talk a little NFL. We've got uh, Eagles and Dolphins this weekend, Pete. We've got the final week of the preseason. There's a game tonight, Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday, Eagles, Dolphins, and that's it. I still haven't seen the specific schedule. I've been looking for an email from the Eagles on when exactly those... uh joint practices are going to take place in the timing of Maybe it. Jeff Kerr knows. Uh, let's talk a little football and see what he saw this week as the Eagles. I know uh, your assignment, Jeff, was the Eagles-Browns game, so let's get some insight from you. Which days are the Eagles and Dolphins having the joint practices? Do you know? It's going to be Wednesday, Thursday. Not sure of the time yet. All right, the Wednesday, Dolphins, Thursday. The Dolphins typically practice around 11 in the morning, so I would assume that's going to be the time, but mm-hmm. we'll find out. All right. Well, that was uh, one of the questions. better than two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> two o'clock. I hate you better That was crazy. Yeah. I'm a morning guy. Yeah. I mean, I know uh, people were complaining because of the heat, but um, you know that's what time they practice. Pete, you uh, weren't out there. I know. I just thought it was strange. Um, let's get some thoughts from you. I know we didn't see the starters per se, uh, Jeff Kerr, but what we did hear a lot about from uh, this Eagles team was the wide receiver play on offense. So uh, kind of give us an overview. I know you had your 53-man roster projection. Did any of those receivers, Deion Kane, uh, Devin Allen, who had a big play, did any of them find their way on your final 53? Deion Kane did. Um, you know, if I would have wrote this uh, prior to yesterday's game, I would have said Britton Covey would still be the guy, him or Greg Ward. I was kind of flipping between them, but Deion Kane kind of leapfrogged them. And I, I was intrigued by Deion Kane when the Eagles brought him in last year because I knew what he did in Indianapolis. And, you know, he, he seemed like he was, a, he was a really good player at Clemson. And then obviously the ACL injury in 2018 put him back. And it seems like he's starting to find his footing a little bit in the league. And I think Deion Kane. He's going to be on some team in 2022. It's just where. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't think he just goes on the Eagles practice squad here. So I think the Eagles do keep Deion Kane. And Brandon Covey hasn't showed me much really since the first week of camp. And now with the thumb injury, who, who knows? And it, it's tough because Jalen Reger is going to make this team just because of his contract. Yeah, and you had Allen with uh, showing his speed finally yesterday. You know, that's what you need, the opportunity to show speed. And I thought, you know, the fact that he went and got under a ball. I mean, he went um, and corralled that ball in. I mean, it's one thing to have the speed and show it, but to be able to make the catch on the other end, I don't know if that helped him out at all, but it was definitely the speed is very intriguing. Yeah, uh, oh, it is. And this is why I think he's going to be on the Eagles practice squad. And, yeah, I, I was arguing with people on Facebook today. I know that was a mistake going on Facebook and arguing this. But <laughs> besides, besides the point here, I'm trying to tell people, look, Devin Allen is not going to be on the 53-man roster unless, you know, you're, one, everybody gets hurt, or two, he just has like 10 catches for 300 yards against the Dolphins, and maybe you consider that. But now he's got a long ways to go. He really didn't stand out in camp. He's been with the third and fourth team throughout camp, but 
they gave him an opportunity yesterday and he took advantage of it. I, I was proud of Devin Allen. I, I, I was amazed by the ball by Reed Sinet. I was uh, Sinet. I, I was amazed by what Devin Allen was able to do catching the ball. And that touchdown, it, it was a feel-good story. But you know, I think Devin Allen has a ways to go. I still think, though, there's a spot for him on that practice squad. Jeff, what did you see out of the running backs? Because in the Jets game, it was very vertical to start the game off. And then in the Browns game, it was like, how many times can we run it? I think Nick Sirianni wanted to send a statement. I, I think Stane Steichen really wanted to make a statement. And Austin Scott and Kenny Gainwell obviously wanted to make a statement. And look what they were able to do. I, I love that Kenny Gainwell run on third and 13. When I forget who the Browns defender was, but he just kind of took him out of his shoes, per se. And... Yeah, Boston Scott, he's their power back. I mean, I hate to admit it, but he is. And he showed every bit he could be a power back and get those tough yards on third and one, fourth and one. And I like the Eagles running backs right now. I Look, I think you us three can get two yards with that offensive line. So we know Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell can. And I'm looking at it as, would it be nice to get a Kareem Hunt in here? Sure, but I think that's just more talk at this point. I mean, I'm sure the Eagles are interested, but... Why have Kareem Hunt and Miles Sanders? Now, there's a guy who just got cut that I do like, and that's uh, Kenyon Drake. Well, it's not official yet, but I wouldn't mind him in the Eagles stable. Jeff Kerr with us, uh, breaking down the Eagles and the Browns. Of course, they go to Miami next for their final preseason game. And if you're talking about the – you talked about the offensive line, and Gil and I have gone back and forth a little bit, that, like, their backups could be other teams starting offensive lines. So they certainly have depth there. But I thought uh, Cam Jurgens certainly flashed in the Cleveland. Uh, Cam Jurgens and Andre Diller could start uh, for any team right now. Uh, I love what Cam Jurgens was able to do. He backed up this first – preseason performance which i thought was even better it you know he just finds a way to get to the football which is what i like about cam jurgens it's wherever the football is he's making a block and he's getting some like three or four extra yards and uh, andre dillard's had a really good camp he had a really good game yesterday uh, i like jack anderson i like sue Arpeta. i like jack driscoll i mean it's a shame that jack anderson will probably end up being cut because he'll probably only keep nine offensive linemen at least that's what i have right now but it's going to be tough because Opeza's been good. He's been good. It's Eagles got to hope that someone like Jack Anderson can kind of sw- slip through the waiver wire and go on the practice squad. Hey, uh, this cornerback spot, we know Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, and we figure McPherson. Uh, who's the other guy? Who, who stood out uh, for you this weekend? I'll tell you what. How did you guys like Josh Joby? Seemed to yeah. be around the ball. Yeah, I thought he stepped yeah. up. Yeah, he was in position around the ball. Um, his stats were really good. Did not allow – was targeted as a primary defender, I think it was three times. Didn't allow a completion. Had a pass breakup, obviously, prevent the Browns from scoring a touchdown. Played in the second quarter with six seconds left. It's, and, look, Josh Joby probably should have been a day-two pick if it wasn't for a foot injury last year. He was very good at Alabama when he was next to Patrick Sertan. And I, I think people looked at it as, well, he was a product of Patrick Sertan. And I said, no, he – he was hurt last year, and the Eagles got lucky that he was still kind of recovering from that foot injury. And, you know, he played through it all year. He missed the playoffs because of that. And I, I think the Eagles might have a diamond in the rough here. I think Josh Shelby makes his team. Yeah, undrafted rookie out of Alabama. I mean, he saw the best competition week in and week out playing with Alabama for sure. So he's he certainly, I thought, flashed to me uh, in the game against the Browns. You know, last week, Jeff, we were talking about the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside trade to see and kick the tires on the Yugo. Right, you're going to kick the tires on the Yugo and see what you get. Uh, that new guy, Yugo Amati, got a lot of snaps. What did you see? 
Yeah, he did. And you know what, Pete? He's going to get a lot of snaps because they got to give him a look. They, they need help at that safety position. I'm not sure Jaquaski Tart makes his team. And I was arguing with people about this the other day. It's look, I thought he played well yesterday, but he didn't get a pass. He didn't get targeted in pass coverage. That's a little confusing to me, I guess. I, th- I still think Jaquaski Tart can make this team. Again, we got another week here, but the Eagles need some help at safety. It's Marcus Epps is their only sure thing right now. And remember, he was a question mark going into camp. They can do better than Anthony Harris. Uh, Ugo Amadi, I, I think he's there for special teams, so he might make the team. But again, what? Why? You know, you have Andre Chassere for that. So yeah. it's going to be tough. It's right now the five safeties I have on this team. One of them is Josiah Scott, and because that's because he can play quarterback. It's going to. I don't think it's going to be the five that. I have on my 53-man roster projection that's going to make this team. I would imagine, Jeff, see if you agree or not, that somebody that's not here will be on the 53-man roster and may be a guy who's a contributor, maybe a, a backup As a something. safety, you're saying. Somewhere. Or somewhere. Any, somewhere on oh, this no. team. Yeah, I think there's a move out there. Oh, yeah. I think Howie Roseman, I, well, I know he's picking up the phones, or at least he's calling people. So at least – there could be about two or three of those type of moves because that's times when you're a contending team. You're going to make moves like that. And, you know, we, we've seen this in the Andy Reid years. We've seen this in the Ray Rhodes years. We've seen this in the Chip Kelly years. If the Eagles feel like they can get a player, like even in Doug Pearson, if the Eagles feel like they can get a player that can upgrade their roster immediately and contribute, they're going to do it. And I think running back and safety may be the two. Maybe even linebacker to an extent. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Who was the, there was a safety that, um, they had signed the Super Bowl year, and he was kind of like their security blanket. They just kept kind of bringing him back, and they got you know they, they seemingly find that guy late um, in the you know in the in the as teams Tuesday tomorrow when people start cutting guys. I don't know if tomorrow you're yeah, going to find Corey guys. Graham. Are, are Corey Graham, of- yes, yes, Corey yeah. Graham. That's it. Um, Remember they brought um, in Darnell Ellerby late in the year, and he ended up starting on that Super Bowl team. He started in Super Bowl Fifty Two, and who would have thought that? Yeah, Corey Graham was the guy from Buffalo that, you know, Jim Schwartz was familiar with. He didn't come to training camp because, you know, he's and he just kind of waited, waited, waited. And then they said, all right, we need a safety. They bring a veteran guy like that's that to me is what I think you keep your eye on. But I I, maybe they thought that was tart. You mentioned he didn't get targeted yesterday. Uh, You wonder um, how he'll get how many um, looks he'll get in the joint practices in Miami this week, you know, and, and yeah. I don't know. Do the Eagles want Tart to make the team? Are they kind of like, eh, if he makes it great, if not, whatever? Um, or is he a guy they signed with the hope, man? We really want this guy to make the team and make a make a difference. I, I think they were hoping he'd start you know, next year, Marcus Epps or Anthony Harris, and at least to challenge Marcus Epps, and he hasn't done that. And you know, Eagles fans are like, well, we played all those snaps yesterday. I'm like, I understand that, but you do know who played in this game, right? It was a bunch of second and third teamers, and yeah. And, you know, Jonathan Gann says he's caught up. That's fine. Uh, I'll have to take the coach as word, but we'll see this week because in the joint practices, it's going to be first team versus first team again. And will Chikwaski target that look? That's what remains to be seen. If he does, I think that's a good shot of him getting an opportunity to make the team. If not, I'm not going to be too positive on it. Now, on your projected 53, Jeff, you have Davion Taylor making it as part of a five-person group at linebacker, but I thought Taylor really struggled yesterday, and you rarely hear an analyst who's paid by the team, by the way, to criticize somebody, but Ross Tucker really said, like, what the heck is Taylor doing on this play? He's lost. Yeah, on the one Josh Josh Dobbs play, like, he just didn't get him, and I I thought to myself, okay, what are you doing here? But 
I, I think Davion Taylor makes the team because he does provide depth, and he has had a good summer. He's had a good camp. Maybe he just didn't have a good game. I, I don't know. But from I definitely think he went from roster lock to maybe questionable, and maybe the Eagles can upgrade there. But, again, he does provide him some value on special teams, and he seems to play that Anthony Barr-type role John Gannon likes. So I, I think he's a valuable backup. All right, uh, this week you got Eagles-Dolphins joint practices Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, they'll have the day off. And then on Saturday, Eagles-Dolphins uh, Saturday night at 7 right here on 97.3 ESPN. Jeff Kerr with us along the way as we get you ready uh, for the football season. And uh, obviously, uh, cut-down day is going to be coming here shortly. You can check out his 53-man roster projections over at CBSSports.com and at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter. All right, Jeff, we'll talk to you, bud. Yep, yeah, sounds great. By the way, we got a big day next Monday, uh, you know, because I think that's the day before the cuts. So we're going to be talking a lot of who makes this team and who doesn't. And they may be making those cuts while we're on the air. Could be. That's right. I mean, we got that uh, cut down day. They got to get down uh, to the 53 on uh, that Tuesday there. So we'll see uh, possibly some guys uh, getting cut. Follow us here on the Sports Best. Thanks, bud. Yep, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. As Take always, care, Jeff, Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, gets a national perspective of the Eagles, brought to you by American Airlines and the Atlantic City International Airport. ACY now is your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book at AA.com. Hey, we got another chance for you to qualify right now. Get in, caller 7, and get your name in the hat for that Eagles road trip to Washington, 609 609- 573-3776-609-573-3776. Caller number seven. Jump on the horn. And if you are caller seven, you're qualified for an Eagles road trip thanks to Philly Sports Trips. They're going to Washington with a busload of Eagles fans. And caller seven, you might be on that bus. You got to be present to win. This Friday, it's happy hour Friday. Garden State Brewery will be live at Garden State Brewery for the Sports Bash Friday show. And you need to be there. One lucky winner is getting selected to go to Washington to see the Eagles play the Commanders on September the 25th. That's a week three game. So it's coming up quick. Time flies when you're having fun. All right, we'll uh, wrap up the show. Coming up next here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to more. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Here on the Sports Bash Monday, live at the Ocean Gallery, Bar Book, and Gaines. Uh, PT, have you seen the Manti Teo 
No, it's, it's what's it called? Not, untold. Untold. The I, girlfriend that never was. I almost started to play it last night, and Susan said she wants to watch it with me. So it's on our to-do list, and I didn't want to sneakily watch it without her. So I'm I, wondering. Okay, so I got a lot of thoughts on this. And uh, I saw you tweeted some stuff about it, or somebody somebody tweeted about it, and you said I'm literally well, watching. Everybody it right has now. been kind of talking about like. First off, the fact that this ever happened is unbelievable. And then people were like, how the heck did that happen? When you watch the documentary, like, you, uh, put it this way. you I leave watching that feeling nothing but complete sympathy for Manti Teo. There you go. And at the time, you didn't have any sympathy for him, right? No, like, I didn't. No, 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 no. I, I didn't say I didn't then. I just, you watch it and remember all the stuff that was happening. Right. And say, now here's the thing. First off, the person who put this elaborate scheme together at the time was a guy. Yeah. He has now since become a transgender female. Oh. They did not know this at the time of the recording. So the person who had catfished him. There's even more past the Well, the person at the time who catfished him at the time of all this was 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 a man. Wow. And through all of this, she or he became a woman. Okay. Because, all right, you remember the quarterback that played for the Raiders, uh, Tuiasa Sopo? Yeah. He played for the University of Washington. Yep, Marquise Tuiasa Sopo. Correct. Yeah, I do remember that name. The person who catfished Manti Teo is Tuiasa Sopo's cousin. He's a part of the Tuiasa Sopo family. family. Oh. And in that family, they are very faith, family, football. Okay. He played football and hated it. And, like, but his family was so insistent, and he was, like, a quarterback and played. And then, but I guess deep down, he Listen, if you've got a man that really wants to be a woman, you've got some internal conflict to begin with, whether it has to do with sports or life or anything. Right. So my point is, or the story goes, he basically identified as a woman on the inside and made up this character and started to talk to Manti Teo and it just How got too far online, Facebook. All, all on instant messenger. Right. Well, and remember, this is like 2012. Yeah. So, like... You, there wasn't FaceTime. There was, FaceTime, there was FaceTime, but it wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. Like, now anybody can FaceTime at anything. Right. That back then... Says the two Android users, by the way, but at least we know what it is. Well, we don't have facetime it's called something else what you what do you 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 do that on your on your phone yeah what do you use android has uh if you call somebody i didn't know that you i i don't i don't use it so that right like if i try to call you do like a video chat or something there's an option to it'll show up if the person can video chat that's what that button is over there yeah it's a camera yeah how come mine doesn't have a camera you must not be able to do it very good Okay, I'm all right with that. I see enough of you. I don't need to see you all. Yeah, well, so anyway, (laughs) they get talking and yada, yada. But, like, people at the time thought that he was in on it. Right, I remember that. But here's the thing of the whole, like. In the heat, I mean, it just, I'll definitely. I think after watching the documentary, I definitively think it ruined his career. Yeah. It ruined his career. That's a a damn shame. And we'll talk more about this tomorrow, but. Um. He has said in the documentary that he has forgiven that person. 
Oh, wow. Can you imagine, like, that person putting you through what they did, but he said, you know what? I forgive them. It's a very Christian thing to do. It's a very uh, unbelievable thing to do to forgive somebody that goes after you like that. Um, so if anybody out there watched the Manti Teo, if you haven't, I highly... Re- the first... It's two parts, episode one and two. Okay. The first one basically rehashes the whole thing. Right. What, how it happened, what happened. The second part is on how they uncovered it. Okay. How Deadspin got the tip and yeah. then what they did to kind of... What's it called again? Untold. Untold. The girlfriend that never was. Wow. Okay. Uh, he's Pete. I'm Mike. Josh produced the show, and he's got game night next. Have a great rest of your Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.